FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 75 of the podcast that goes snicked. This is 75? Yeah, with our special edition hologram cover. <laughs> oh man, that's great. I'm your host, Jason Miracle Metal Venable, and I'm joined once again by flashback co-host Cameron, the ironic Indian Sinclair. <laughs> Please, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is... This isn't even... <laughs> I just... I, I'm so flattered. This is an even bigger crowd than last time. That's right. <laughs> live. <laughs> live. From New York. A special live episode. <laughs> it is 75. We should have done a live episode. It is Saturday night. <laughs> it is Saturday night. We are live. We are live. Alive. With our flashback episode. Flashback! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I this I episode. I that. <laughs> I think I need to retire flashback. I don't know. I think everybody loves it. Okay. Right? Everybody? Flashback! <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to focus tonight on uh, Wolverine's new costume. The yellow and brown. Or oh, yeah. Some people say orange and brown. I think it's pretty yellow, but whatever. I'll go with orange. I'm not going to start an internet controversy over that. Ooh, let's throw down. <laughs> I'll arm wrestle you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We're also going to sneak in a Sabretooth second appearance. So we'll do that. So uh, this, these books, a uh, quick story. I think we've mentioned before... The infamous Bill's box of comics. Infamous. Infamous. That means really, really famous, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. So this is our... You're doing a second telling of our origin story. (laughs) (laughs) It's a retcon. (laughs) Retcon. We're going to change the details first. No, but if, if you want to go back in here, it was on... Oh gosh, when was it? The first time you were on? So yeah, ep- the first, so episode ten. The very first time we went through the whole saga yeah. of our comic book relationship. Right. So the short version is that Cameron got a box of comics from this old guy in our church. He wasn't that old. We're probably he seemed old. old. We're at probably the time. older now than he was when he gave us He's his comics. Pr- yeah, he was probably about our age. Yeah. So anyway, he gave Cameron a box of comics, and obviously, I deserved half of them. Clearly, he was there. <laughs> right. So I got to share in the spoils. Cameron was very gracious. That's right. But anyway, we, we talked about kind of some of the first issues. And, well, we're um, we're upon those issues. Yeah. So we're going to do uh, Uncanny X-Men 139 and 140. And then Power Man and Iron Fist 66. And we didn't mention it, but la- some of the ones from last time we ha- we got out of those boxes, too. Yes, or I believe one- so. Yeah. 137 I had. I guess I just box. forgot because I didn't, I didn't have them. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, yeah, man. 137 I got yeah. out of that box. That, that was the only one out of there. Right. So anyway, what, I would ha- what, happened, what happened was, if I remember correctly, and it was a long time ago, so... You can feel free to correct me, Cameron. But oh, I will. I feel like 
when we were divvying up the books, we divvied up all kind of the lame stuff. Kind of the same way we picked G.I. Joe's. We didn't, re- to be fair, we didn't really know much about comics. No, nothing at all. Because I think if, you if had we had You had just any, started with G.I. Joe stuff. We may have I had think. some G.I. Joe and some Star Wars. If, you, if yeah. we had anything. Yeah, I think you did have some Star Wars. I think I had some of both of those. But even then, we didn't. It was more because my cousin gave me some. And, I, right. you know, we we were very limited in our... Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, it was like, what, fourth, fifth grade? Something like that. Something like that. We were, yeah. we were little. Anyway, so we divvied up the stuff that we thought looked cool. If I remember right, the last stuff we got to was the X-Men stuff. Yeah, probably. And then some of the other stuff. And so because... So you decided you were gonna you were gonna pick first of the X Men, which you know it was your box. So it I, was my box. I conceded you could have first pick, and so you took uh, one of the ones you took was one forty, which had the the awesome cover we'll talk about later with a Wendigo throwing Wolverine around. That's right. And then so I took one thirty nine, you know, because I kind of got second choice on that. I was like, oh okay, well this is a pretty cool comic, and we'll talk more about that cover later too. But um, so that but one thirty nine was the first comic I ever had the first X-Men comic because this box of the pile I got from Cameron were my first comics yeah so 139 was the first time I read Wolverine first time I read the X-Men so it's a pretty uh, I've I, I still have the copy and there's like a chunk missing out of the cover where it ripped and I've probably read this thing a hundred times this is probably my one of my most read comic books you know, I, I loved it back then, and I, we'll, we'll talk about how it, whether it holds up or not. But then I got to pick first, and this is one of those those infamous guffaws. <laughs> I I got to pick first between the Power Man and Iron Fist stuff. Yeah. And I thought this cover of 66 with the big Jade Tiger on the front yeah. looked awesome. And so I, awesome. I took first pick and picked, unbeknownst to me, Sabretooth's second appearance, Thus, by default, giving you, well, giving, letting you keep <laughs> your Sabretooth's first appearance. Yep. And so I kind of got the short end of that one. But hey, they're both awesome comics. Or They are both They awesome were comics. back then, so we'll see again how everything holds up. But um, anyway, that's kind of the backstory on these issues. Uh, for me, I'll admit up front, it's going to be hard for me to separate some of the sentimentality from how I read these stories, but I'll, I'll try my best to be, um, to treat them the same way we treated all the flashback comics. So, yeah, no promises, but we'll see. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's dive right in here in a second. This is... <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> all right, so first up, we have Uncanny X-Men number 139. Something wicked this way comes. And the wicked is really wicked looking. Wicked. Yeah, like that, like stoner wicked. Right, we got it. Um, all right, this is written by Chris Claremont with plot pencils by John Byrne. What kind of pencils are those? It's an interesting kind of pencil. Yeah. Terry Austin is the inker. Tom Orzikowski is the letterer. And Glennis Ween is the colorist. And on the cover, we have the debut of an official X-Men phrase. Um, it says, Welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you survive the experience. And of course, we'll see that a lot moving forward. I don't know if they used it a lot back then or if like the next generation of writers that love Claremont like use it a lot to I don't know. That's a good question. I don't remember. 
We'll see. We'll see when we come across it again. Uh, this cover has Kitty in the middle, in a circle, and then we have three little danger room scenes. Kitty in the middle. <laughs> a new child's game. <laughs> we see Colossus and Angel. Uh, Angel has uh, metal rods being thrown at him, and Colossus is fighting a big robot. Then we see Storm. Uh, is it Hentai? The anime with like the the tentacle rape. <laughs> that is what that looks like. Yeah, that is what that looks like. Then we have Wolverine and Nightcrawler being attacked by a giant a polar bear. Photo or a misleading image. Uh, so I'll, let me ask you this: Do you think because not to give away what we're about to get into, but on the cover here, Wolverine has this yellow and black cow, yeah, and then a blue suit. Do you think this is miscolored, or do you think they just didn't want to give away the new costume on the cover? That's a good question. I don't know. I think... Yes. <laughs> do I think? <laughs> Brain just shut down for a moment. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. If they If they tried to, uh, if they're trying to hide it. Right. They just matched better because the colors with Nightcrawler's face and Kitty Pride's yellow. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they meant it to be black, and a lot of times they would blue shade black stuff. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so Kitty is uh, an, an original X-Men uniform, which when I first got this, I didn't know about the original uniforms. Yeah. So I always thought she kind of looked like Batgirl. Yeah, she does kind of look like Batgirl. But anyway, it shows what I know. It's got a robber with her ski mask. Yeah, mask. yeah, definitely. So what do you think of this cover? It's a good cover. Kind of shows number of different things going on, things unrelated. We kind of just three different things that are all happening. Right. I think it's funny that two of them are in the danger room. Yeah. Like kind of concurrent, and then so I before I or actually I didn't know I didn't know what the danger room was. But going back, I used to think, well, I wonder why. I used to always forget that the polar bear wasn't in the danger room when I was yeah. little. Like after I read this the first time. Yeah, I like the cover. Well, the rest of it happens, and the the polar bear doesn't attack them. There is a polar bear. Oh, yeah. There's a polar bear. That's the one from Lost, I think. Does <laughs> anybody know Lost anymore? <laughs> is that an old <laughs> reference already? <laughs> Outdated. Right, remember that show? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I still think it was a great show. I don't care what anybody says. There you go. So you're looking forward to the new Star Wars. I am. I am too, actually. I like, I like Abrams. Abrams. Yeah. I made that joke. Did you see my joke on Twitter the other day? I don't about, think so. Not if it's related to this conversation. What's the guy who did Transformers? His brain. Oh, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I said, because I found out about Michael Bay doing the Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, yeah. So I tweeted something about how I said, I just found out that Michael Bay is planning to ruin the Ninja Turtles too. <laughs> and I said, J.J. Abrams, you're our only hope. For, and I wrote for kids, children of the 80s. <laughs> oh, plus J.J. Abrams. I just thought about all, all, of the, all stuff that's being ruined. You know, the Transformers yeah. have been ruined. Ninja Turtles are going to be ruined. Are they, I've, some people say it's going to be good. Megan Fox is in it. And Ninja Turtles? He's April O'Neil. Oh, boo. Yeah, boo. April O'Neil can't be dead in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to have some kind of soul. Right. I... Someone told me that the drawings of the Ninja... This is the Ninja Turtle podcast, by the way. Yes. We've, we've done it with the X-Men. We're not Ninja Turtles. <laughs> that the drawings of what Michael Bay was going to do looked really awesome. But then the I've AV, heard... I've actually mentioned Google and I forgot. I've heard the posters look badass. The AV Club 
sent a picture of the actual, like the live action photo. Right. And I thought they looked stupid. Oh, okay. That could be... All I heard was that Shredder looked like Shredder should finally look. No, I didn't see Shredder. I only saw the Turtles. The Turtles, what I saw looked really cheesy, like the original almost. Not quite as bad as the original movies. Right. But I, you don't know, man, maybe I saw something different than I thought I did. I don't really understand it because I felt like the the TMNT movie they made a few years ago was really good. Oh, the animated one? The animated one? one was so good. It was such a good Ninja Turtle movie. I mean, even better than all the old ones, the original ones, certainly, because those were all kind of terrible. But Right. So I, I think it's weird that now they're going to go back to a live-action version. But yeah. Michael Bay's got to do something with it. Well, he's got to blow some turtles up. But a lot of people love Transformers. Do they? I guess they do, because it made a ton of oh, money. Oh, yeah. A lot of people... I mean... But most people I talk to hate it. <laughs> or think it was not good. But it's not because they don't like Transformers. They just don't like the movie. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. No, I'm not talking about Transformers. Uh, it definitely has a built-in audience. But the Transformers... And Turtles will, too. So... Yeah. The Nick And the Nickelodeon cartoon is really good. Yeah, I like it. So I think it's weird. I don't know. We'll just see what Michael Bay does with it. He's going to blow them up. He's going to blow them up. Blow it up. So right. did you know that uh, we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 139? <laughs> Back to the X-Men. Sorry for my Ninja Turtle rant. No, it's fine. It's interesting. So we started off with the X-Men in the danger room. Now remember the last thing that happened was Jean Grey died. Jean Grey and died. And Cyclops left. Cyclops left. King right. Pride shows up. King Pride shows up. All right. So a little bit of time has passed. We see the X-Men in the danger room. Angel has rejoined the team, but he is rusty and reckless. Nightcrawler almost dies a few times with some inopportune danger room training. But then, after the session, he provides cold beverages. Wolverine... Lemonade. (laughs) Wolverine wants to go to Canada to tie up loose ends and make peace with Alpha Flight. And he agrees to let Nightcrawler chaperone at Professor X's behest. Kitty starts dance lessons. Bam! We're gonna live forever. It is We're 1980. We're gonna learn how to fly. Ah. Yeah. This is 1980, so let's keep in mind disco still hot. Yes, yes. This, of course, is after she gets her code name Sprite, nearly missing Professor X's attempt to make her the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Wolverine and Nightcrawler visit one of Wolverine's one of Wolverine's two friends. Then they go out into the wilderness to find the other one. Half of Alpha Flight is tracking a murderous beast. Wolverine has been watching Finding Bigfoot. He recognizes the uh, cast of the foot impression as Wendigo, or Wendigo, and explains his first mission via flashback. Uh, Flashback. They decide, they tell Alpha Flight they're going to help. Nightcrawler goes outside to gather equipment. And is surprised by Wendigo. Wendigo. <laughs> what did we decide that was Wendigo? I don't think we did decide. We just kind of went with it. Yeah. All right. Then kind of like Proteus and Proteus. I think we were very inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, all right. So I loved this first page with Angel flying um, amidst the, I don't know, rods. <laughs> Metal rods. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just, and I have a very, like, vivid, in my mind's eye, this panel's always stood out, like, you know, yeah. 
from when I first got the comic. So I'm going to have that exact same feeling about the first panel in, in 140. 140. Okay, yeah. cool. I just remember, man, this it just captivated me as a child. Yeah. I just really remember like, oh, wow, this guy's he's got wings. That's awesome. And he's flying and all this stuff shooting at him. And it's cool stuff. John Burns awesome. <laughs> John Burns awesome. That's right. Yep. All right, so... Oh, by the way, uh, X-Men have decided they no longer need page numbers, so my notes are a little harder to follow. Yeah, I noticed that. I don't. I thought that was kind of an interesting... But, um, we'll do our best. So we have a nice uh, double-page spread. Yep. Um, Exercise in the dang room. I think this is the first time you can agree or disagree that we see Nightcrawler like, actually doing something with his tail. I don't know. Maybe so. I feel like it is. Yeah, I think you may be right. Uh, he's hanging from like a metal trapeze type bar and he's got his he's hanging by his tail yeah he's been hanging before but it's always with his feet I think I think so too I thought the danger room looked really cool it's very plain compared yeah. to modern versions I don't know something about it as a kid reminded me maybe of Star Wars with the control panel and the big window yeah I don't know I just always really liked it so Nightcrawler poor guy just cannot stay safe Angel knocks him off the bar. Then he tries to fall into a fire pit. Wolverine saves him, so he teleports uh, just in time to be uh, squashed by uh, Colossus's flying robot. And then Storm has to save him, but Storm drops him into the loving arms of Colossus. <coughs> All right, but also in this first page spread, we get our first glimpse of Wolverine's new costume. That's right. The brown and yellowish orange. Or dark brown and light brown, however you want to call it. It's I think there. it's kind of a, well, I would say, because it's not really orange either. It's some kind of yellowish orange. Yeah. There's probably a name word for it that I can't think of it. Yeah, the correct hue eludes me. Yeah, because it's not really either. Yeah, no, it's not. Anyway, we'll talk more about our opinion of the costume later. Okay. I thought it was really cool that Wolverine like sliced out piece of the wall to catch yeah. Nightcrawler like a little a uh, little bed I guess <laughs> yeah a little trampoline yeah one thing I thought interesting about this danger room scene taking the whole thing in together is my question is is I mean clearly Angel's out of practice right but he also says Dr. 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 also says about him being he does he didn't have the skills which is different than being untrained, being out of practice. And my question is... I don't... See, I don't think Claremont meant it that way. Well, no, no, he didn't. But my question is, because he put all that, that plus what Wolverine does, have the new X-Men raised the bar for what it meant to be an X-Men? Yes. Because that's the feeling I get. That, that, Are you asking me or asking like no, I'm Marvel? Just, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> just a rhetorical question, I guess. Yeah, I think It's kind so. of the idea that that's... That Angel is back, and it's like, yes, he's out of practice, but also he just can't keep up with them, right. even based on what he'd done before. Because it's like, even here, he's falling apart. He's like, oh, well, Nightcrawler's going to die. I'm not gonna, I can't do this anymore. And Wolverine's like, eh, no big deal, and saves Nightcrawler. <laughs> and it's like, this right. is, we're, we're all handling this. This is not even a big deal. Right. And uh, Angel can barely keep up. And I thought, not so much that they're better than the old one, but just this idea that this is a this is a more powerful team. Yes. In that, I mean, 
Well, they're training. Wise, I guess so, but they're it's more intense. They're older. Yes. They faced more serious opposition. Well, they actually seem to learn from their training. They learn. Yeah, they learn a lot. And they, the original X Men, I felt like. They would train and then forget everything. And then they'd yeah. train and forget well, everything. Well, so much of the 60s and early 70s is X-Men them being teenagers, like you right. said, where they would just always make mistakes. They'd always do dumb stuff. They're always trying to be silly. And you have this constant kind of predicaments they get into. Jean Grey always passing out as a perfect example, <laughs> you know. And then it's like, now we have this next generation. They're older. They're they're more serious. They've lived lives up to this point, you know. Right. And so it's... You know, it's it's a more of a real team. I mean, a really concerted, powerful team. And Angel's trying to come back in and... Yeah, finding a little hard up. to fit. I agree. So what do you think about Kitty not getting a real costume? Like, as far as her getting, like, a junior X-Men costume? I think it makes sense, because she's Yeah, new. I actually really like it. I like his... Almost in a way of, like, denoting that she's still really young and a student. And yeah. It's like, this is your training, you know, X-Men, yeah. junior X-Men costume or something. Right. Yeah, I like it. And then when you get past, you get your own costume of your own design. Right. Yeah, I and like that And then everyone too. will wish you just stayed with the old one. <laughs> I thought it was funny that this picture of Storm with the tentacles is almost, like, almost a photocopy of the, the image from the cover. It's not quite, so you know you know that Byrne drew it twice. Yeah, but it's pretty But it's exact. really, really close. Yeah, it's pretty exact. I also really love when a Professor X, or anybody for that matter, thinks black squiggly lines for curse words. Yeah. <laughs> like a black, especially because it's a thought balloon, so it literally looks like an old cartoon, like Thundercloud, like when they... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I like the lemonade. That was a silly, silly but funny touch. Yeah. So, has Wolverine always smoked these, like, Virginia Slim, like, super long cigarettes? Uh, he has, that? hasn't he? Where is that? Uh, when they get done training, you know, some people smoke after sex, Wolverine smokes after fighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I can't And he's remember. never, like, in these appearances, he hasn't smoked, like, real, like, little normal cigarettes, right? No, or the little fat stub cigars that he smokes most oh, of the no, time. Yeah, no, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that later. Yet. Yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I think this is kind of where he's at. All right. I don't. I think that might just be the drawing right. more than. I don't know that was like a style thing in the early late seventies, early eighties. They make cigarettes, or maybe long. it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a specific kind of cigarette. But speaking of Canadian things, I love that a Nightcrawler gives him a Molson. Yeah. Right, so Nightcrawler brings the refreshments after he scares the poop out of Kitty, and he's got yeah. a bunch of lemonade. Wolverine's like, "Nice move, pal." Except I don't drink lemonade. And so Nightcrawler had brought him a beer. And it's a Molson. Is it? Are you sure? Yeah, it says uh, Molson Express. Oh. I could read the Express. I didn't... Mine, you can't really read in my digital version. You can't oh. really read it. It's not super easy, but... Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I like that too. I liked how the lemonade is like really fancy with the lemon wedge or <laughs> yes. lemon slice. Yeah. It. It's not... Yeah, he didn't mix it out of a, a powder pouch. And how it looked... These, the panels suddenly turn into a commercial for lemonade. Like right. They look like they're all holding their lemonade up, right? Smiling really big, <laughs> like they're advert, like it's an advertisement product placement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, the lemonade lobby probably paid a bunch of money. Oh yeah, yeah, those lemonade guys. Stan Lee, he's in the pocket. They of the pretty lemonade. much run Washington. He's in the pocket of big lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother, how long does the name Sprite last? 
Uh, uh decent Does ways. It? Yeah. Well, I don't remember exactly. Uh, because she becomes Shadow Cat. I want to say about a year or so. But I mean, I'm totally guessing. I yeah. really don't remember. I, I wonder. I wonder why Sprite. That's a I weird name. I think it's a lot better than Ariel, though. Well, yeah. Professor X, what a goomba. What do you think of Ariel? And Kitty's like, yuck. But it's like, Sprite doesn't... What does that even mean except that she's young and fast, I guess? Yeah, like a little fairy. I don't know. Like a little fairy? But it's like she goes through walls. I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yes, Shadow Cat doesn't really uh, mean that much either, but... But her name's Kitty. Yeah. (laughs) True. (laughs) Well, anyway, all I know is that as soon as she gets the name... Uh, Kenny makes a bad joke about it. Yeah. He goes, but I better not hear any cracks about people pulling my tab, which also sounds kind of dirty for a 13 and a half it does year old girl to make. You want to pull my tab? Not right now. <laughs> not on the air. <laughs> this is an Howard Stern. <laughs> right. So, uh, all right. So basically Wolverine decides he's going to go back to Canada and Professor X doesn't trust him to go by himself. Yeah. Thinks it's too dangerous, so Nightcrawler decides he's going to go. Did you have anything you want to talk about in the, the Kitty dance lesson stuff? Um, Where Kitty goes to the dance studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we meet her instructor, Stevie Hunter, who coincidentally looks kind of like late 70s Stevie Wonder. It does. With Interesting. And, everything. and their names kind of sounds alike. So then we meet uh, my first comic crush, <laughs> Heather Hudson. And I think only because she had the highest wit on her dress. I think that's what sold me. Yeah. In fourth grade, that's all I needed. <laughs> and Wolverine thought she was sexy. You know, I figured Wolverine had to be right. Uh, that, see, this is why I need page numbers. Yeah. Where? Oh, okay. So, so earlier, before Kitty leaves, before they leave the school... Uh, Nightcrawler says, Wolverine, I've been meaning to ask you, why the new costume? And Wolverine's just like, why not? Hey, Professor, got a minute? <laughs> <laughs> and there is our explanation of the new costume. Yeah. That's all we get. <laughs> That's all we get. Oh, in that same section, before we get to Kitty, this is where Kurt says that he wants to go with Wolverine because he wants to see Aurora again because she's a real Oh yeah yeah yeah. He says foxy lady, but it's in quotes. Like oh, yeah. she's not a foxy lady. <laughs> Is that the double negative of Aurora? She's quotes? a real quote unquote foxy lady. <laughs> Wayne's world, which maybe that he's is he, or is wait, is he quoting someone else who called her a foxy lady? I, I guess he's quoting Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, but, I guess that's that makes sense. But yeah, it does make it seem like he. It seems like like if Wolverine had a crush on her and that Carl thought she was ugly, he'd be like, "Yeah, let's go see your foxy lady with finger." No, clothes. that's like if it was a dude. They were going to see a dude that dresses up like a lady. Is <laughs> it's a foxy lady? And it's like no, it's a man in a dress. <laughs> that's what that. That's what I thought. Dude of looks like a lady. <laughs> So anyway, we go uh, up to Canada. Up to Canada. The Great White North. And, it's uh, cold. Heather Hudson. Who comes looks like an old lady. 
with yeah, the she, style. She's got the big glasses. The, the big, big glasses and the hair. Yeah. And it looks like she's got a cardigan on. Yeah. But then a sexy dress, so it's kind of a funny combination. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But I mean, you know, it's 1980. Yeah. So they can get in. <laughs> so apparently Wolverine just goes and burps everywhere he goes. <laughs> and that's how she knows somebody's in the apartment. She's like, I heard a belch. Because he's drinking her beer. Yeah, which this time is LeBlot, another Canadian beer. Yeah. That's two Canadian beer. We're really emphasizing. They really did their homework on the yeah, Canadian the beer. Yeah, the Canadian beer. So I like how they come in, or she comes in, she, she gets a broom, because she's going to hit the burglar <laughs> with a broom. Right. You're going to sweep the leg. <laughs> Crazy. And uh, Nightcrawler spills his Coke. He has a bottle of Coke, or a soft drink, a soda. And uh, Wolverine's sitting there smoking in her kitchen, burping, with his feet up on the table. Yeah. Because <laughs> he made himself at home. He did. And then she's like, Wolverine? Logan? And she's glad to see him, and she jumps, and he picks her up by the waist. They do a little dance routine. That's where it becomes a musical. That's right. And then Nightcrawler, poor guy, can't get Wolverine to take his question seriously. <laughs> he asks him about the costume. He gets a why not. He says, Wolverine, she called you Logan. Yep. Is that your name? Yep. You never told us. You never asked. I like these voices you're doing. It's really <laughs> bringing this podcast to come alive. I'm trying. Yeah, we, we, we'll start introducing some dramatic readings. Is this really the first time that any of the other ones have heard yes. his name? Yes, it is. I was surprised because I yeah. know because it's it's Mariko, right? That yes, he tells his name to, but I didn't realize that that was the only person he'd told that to so far. Yeah, for some reason in my head, I, I was thinking that at least I don't know that they knew, but I guess not. So that's uh, an interesting reveal. Yeah, it is definitely. So anyway, they uh, they chat. Um, let's see. It's kind, of, it kind of weird that no one had asked his real name. Yeah, it is kind of weird. <laughs> so this time no one ever said, what's your I name? I know like Professor X later, I guess I'll retcon and say he didn't want to pry into Wolverine's mind. Or maybe he knew and just didn't tell anyone yeah, else. Yeah, or, or invade his privacy or betray his privacy by right. telling the other students. But that doesn't mean they would never ask. Yeah. And it's one thing if you say, hey, what's your name? Well, I don't want to tell you. Just call me Wolverine. Okay, I respect your privacy. Right, but it's another thing to have like, like none of the X Men have any natural curiosity yeah. about. Well, anything. because all of the other X Men go by both. Right. Because they all routinely call right. each other both names. Yes. So why would no one ever ask Wolverine? Hey, what's your real name? Right. Oh, by the way. Maybe they're afraid. I don't know. They must be afraid. So then we get another. We get some internal monologue. Another reminder from Vindicator. That it was intended for Wolverine to lead Alpha Flight. So we're kind of reminded of that again. And I don't know why. And I guess it's the first time we've seen him unmasked. I always thought Vindicator had light hair. I did too. Like when he pulled his mask off and had really dark, almost curly black hair, I was kind of shocked. Yeah, I had a, in whatever reason, I thought he was blonde too. And of course, I always have to laugh at Shaman's real name. Michael, two young men. Yeah, that's that's rough. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with it even back then. I, that one kind of floors me. I can't yeah. imagine that... Because I just... 
I can't imagine that there's any other reason to name him that other than as a joke. <laughs> right. As a pedophile joke. <laughs> and as such, why would they do that? Yeah. Why would the editors allow them to do that? Why would the censors at this 1980 time not be bothered by that? I don't know. It's very strange to me. Who knows? Anyway, they're tracking Wendigo. Um, they hear something. They all use their powers, which I love in their power set. That Shaman hits his mystic bands together to start his magic. Um, oh, they know something's wrong because uh, Shaman's mystic alarms were tripped. Yeah. See, that's a proper use. That, they shouldn't use air quotes on that. Yeah. Mystic <laughs> alarms. That's like all Doctor Strange type stuff. Yeah. And Snowbird turns into a polar bear. And apparently Vindicator's uh, way to get his powers going is to put his helmet back on. Yeah. So, so Wolverine in this issue is a really cool guy. Heather finds him with his feet up on the table smoking and drinking a beer. Yeah. And Alpha Flight finds him in his fawn's pose. Just hanging out in the doorway. Just leaning on the door with his arms crossed, his feet way akimbo out. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, be cool. And he even tells a Nightcrawler, be cool, pal, be cool. <laughs> and Shaman goes cross-eyed in this panel. Oh, yeah, he kind of does. I don't know if that was intentional. Like, X-Men. The Looney Tunes sound effects. <laughs> And then Nightcrawler's hair grows really big. Well, before we get to that, I like how Wolverine, this whole time he's like, Oh, hey. it goes straight. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, good. All right. So uh, he's all talking about how they're going to get up here and make peace, and he's going to talk instead of fight. Right. But as soon as he gets in, we get a snip. Yep. Pops, <laughs> pops the claws almost immediately. Yeah. And so this part with Nightcrawler is very comical, cartoony. His hair, he gets really scared, and his hair does go straight up like a cat, like a, tar- a cartoon cat. And then know, he jumps, really in Scooby-Doo style, he jumps Yikes. up on Wolverine's head. Yeah. Like, wraps himself around Wolverine, and like, kind of wiggles around. That is like, all of that is classic, like, basically two Scooby-Doo panels in the middle yeah. of this Yeah, it's great. But hair it's... goes straight, and he goes, yikes! And then he jumps <laughs> on top of Wolverine. <laughs> That is basically... And Wolverine still got his claws out. Like, he could have easy, like, one one bad jump and that crawler gets a claw through the gut. Hey, you know what? I was wrong. And then, so on the cover, the polar bear really does growl at them. Yeah. So I was wrong. Okay. So that really does happen. All right. There you go. My bad. I also think it's weird that panel back or two, when uh, Vindicator tells Shaman to stay back uh, from Wolverine, because he says, in... What does he say? In these close quarters, you're no match for Wolverine's adamantium claws. So if they were outside in the open... I guess he could use his magic? Maybe, but the claws would still cut through him. But he's far away. He can cast a spell from far away. But if he's far away, Wolverine couldn't use his claws. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so we get our, our story of the family that was attacked by Wendigo. Wendigo. Um, that was probably the kid... On the camping trip, I was reading Fantastic Four. And I really like kind of the movie trick we get here, where yeah. we see the action like reflected on the tent. Yeah. By shadow, I thought that was pretty cool. It is um, cool. I think it's interesting when Wolverine tells us flashback, he refer he refers to the Hulk Wendigo mission as his only failure. Yeah. I thought that was interesting and very that telling. Is interesting. 
<laughs> then he says, I was a bit headstrong. <laughs> it really underplays his personality. Like, you think? I got um, a really big kick out of this plaster footprint that Vindicator. I did too, yeah. And then Wolverine recognizes it immediately. Well, and it's like, it just seems like a completely unnecessary. It's like it's a giant footprint. Well, I want to say because here's the Wendigo. Why do right. we need a plaster of this footprint? So we can carry it around and show it to people. <laughs> so someone recognizes it. Then wouldn't Sasquatch's foot look about the same as that? Yeah, I mean, think just so. based on footprints. You think so? I don't know. So. Oh, you mean the the. Now who yeah, yeah, or or you know just a or random else, Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's true. Um, so then Wolverine refers to a previous James Bond era. <laughs> so we get we find out that he. I mean, we're filling in a lot of holes in his past in these issues. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that he used to run secret missions. So we get a, a cap. Uh, we get our first mention of someone missing Gene. Or Nightcrawler has a big monologue where he misses Gene. Can't then, until someone misses Gene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does talk about praying. Yeah. This is our second kind of subtle reference to Nightcrawler's religion. That's right, because we're still haven't they haven't done anything with that yet. Yeah. Um in the <clears throat> or they haven't done much with it yet. In the annual Denise and I just did, um Colossus says something about your God to Nightcrawler. Interesting. So, so they're kind of they're building it up a little bit. Yeah. I do like a wind wind division. Yeah, it's like he's seeing thermal. Yeah, very thermal. very much. Was a predator out yet? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Nineteen eighty. I don't think because it was so. eighty one. The first predator. I'll look at it real fast. <laughs> okay. Nineteen eighty seven. Oh wow! This is way before Predator then. Yeah. Awesome. So Predator copied John Byrne. There you go. There you go. I mean, I'm sure there's thermal vision. I don't even know. Maybe the technology for thermal vision may not have even been existed yet. I don't know. I have no idea. Invented. All right. Anything else you wanted to point out? I don't think so. Okay. So what yeah, you, that was it. What did you think of this one? Uh, it's a good comic. It's a, it kind of covers a lot of ground. It does, yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Wendigo or Alpha Flight. Which we've discussed that before right. on several occasions, but all in all, it's not they're not doing anything too silly here. No. And uh, the lemonade thing is kind of cheesy, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of comic relief in the middle of a... I thought the cheesier moments were they a worked. lot more genuinely funny Yeah. than sometimes in the past. Yeah, because you didn't really... It didn't seem like they were really trying to be too funny. They weren't trying so hard to be funny. They were like, this is just a lighthearted moment. Right, yeah. That was funny because it was kind of campy. But, yeah, it's a good comic. I mean, it's interesting. It's funny. Yeah. I like this one a lot. Um, we find out a lot about Wolverine. We do. So we get some backstory and some front story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a <the> thing. <laughs> yep. We get some front story, then we turn it around and get some back story. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I like that the art was really good. Yeah, um, very good. We'll kind of rank our costume when we get to the uh, okay. conclusion. Yeah, that's really good. Let's do all that all together. All right, so when are you going to grade Uncanny X-Men number 139? Um, I say five. Okay. 
I'm going to give it six out of six. Uh, part of that nostalgia department is I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I thought the action worked well, the the conversation worked. I, I just it was a well made, well put together comic. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So and I love the Good costume job. and all the backstory. <laughs> so yeah, I think for me that not not quite enough happens. I yeah I yet for it to be a six. Okay. This that. is a lot of setup. It is. Which, you know, you got to do that. So it's not, I don't begrudge it any of that, but right. it's kind of an all set up comic. But yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's move on. Windigo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! All right, Uncanny X Men one forty. Let's do 140. it. One forty. So this the usual: Chris Claremont writer, John Byrne plot pencils. He's still <laughs> working on these plot pencils. He's discovered <laughs> Terry Austin inker, Tom Orzechowski letterer, Glennis Wine colorist, and yeah. everyone else. This one's called Rage. Rage. Yeah, it's a great name for a comic. It is. So one forty. I think one of the great X Men. Covers, yeah, I agree. All right, so we have a John Byrne Terry Austin cover. We have a very it's. I don't like Wendigo that much. I keep saying that, but I think this is a great cover because you have a very classic monster movie cover. Yes, with Wendigo in the middle. He's got Wolverine by the leg. He smacked him into a tree. Yeah, Snowbird and Vindicator and and uh, and uh, Nightcrawler are on the ground, and you have this. Almost naked <laughs> yeah. lady holding her baby. It is very much like a Friday the Thirteenth. It's very, or, yeah, very like slash. Her clothes, like. her clothes are ripped, but they're ripped very sexy. They're like, well, they're those perfectly ripped. So they're ripped in all the right spots. So right, right. You get a little thigh. Get a little thigh. Get a little back, shoulder and back. Tiny bit of side boob. Yeah. Just enough, so it's Just not enough. you know it's not rated R. You don't got to worry about the the sensors or anything, but it's enough for you know. Fifth grade, and sixth being grade boys. Scared, you know, she's kind of making a sexy about to give a BJ face. Oh yeah, she's got the well, <laughs> she's got the sexy face, the sexy scare. Yeah, again, classic slasher flick. Action. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Much to get us all confused. I love the way all Wolverine the looks. Kids confused, <laughs> right? I love the way Wolverine looks. This is the first time his new costume is on a cover. Yeah, so that's cool. I thought <laughs> I was wondering why Burn felt like he needed to do something different with the left hand. So his fingers are kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, so it's like he broke a finger, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, they're like crossed or something. It's, yeah. I'm not sure what that's about. but. And I like how, so the lady is the sexy horror Damsel woman. in distress. Yeah. She's carrying her baby, right? Right. But he's all wrapped up. Yeah. So the way you can know it's a baby, there's a little baby hand sticking out. Yeah. But John Byrne decided he needed to make the baby hand shaking. Yeah. Or those, waving. There's like, yeah, little lines around it like he's waving. Or the way it fits on the panel, it almost looks like he's petting when he goes It does away. look like he's petting when he goes <laughs> It makes me think of, uh, it makes me think of um, Monsters, Inc. with the baby. In the, oh, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's real fascinated by the Sully character. <laughs> Like this baby, like Wendy goes about to murder all of them, and the baby's like, "Oh, fuzzy animal, <laughs> right? Fuzzy bear." <laughs> She's patting his leg. That's pretty funny. Yeah, classic. 
Classic. So great cover. We open up with the first panel, which, like you said on the last one, you think is a classic panel. I think this one is like one of the best solid Colossus panels with him just ripping a stump out of the ground. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Farmer, collective farmer, communism (laughs) all blends together. Right. Machine, man meets machine, Colossus. He just wraps a chain around a stump and yanks it out. Yeah. And it's um, it's just a great He's yanking on a stump. I also like when Colossus turns steel when he's not in his... (laughs) I get where you're going there. (laughs) I didn't catch it at first, but I get it now. Right. Um, I like when Colossus changes form and he's not in his costume. Yeah. I, think, I, I don't know why I find I that so cool, but I do. I don't really like his costume that much. Yeah, that's part of it. He's always had kind of weird, of a weird Russian It gets better costume. later. But... It does. But yeah, so anyway, great cover. All right, so in this one, we open up with Colossus doing yard work because he's homesick maybe, wants to stay close to the earth, not forget his heritage. So he's being a farmer, whereas... Rich boy Warren Worthington flies over and says, don't you wish you'd stayed a farmer? And Colossus is like, I just like to get my hands dirty every now and then to remember where I came from. And Warren Worthington's like, all right, see ya. (laughs) (laughs) No, do you need some help? Uh, Whatever. So anyway, he goes to tattle basically on on all the X-Men to Professor X. We have a weird conversation where Angel basically says he's afraid of Wolverine. Yeah. That he might kill somebody sometime. And then I thought, he's killed lots of people already by this point. (laughs) And for the X-Men, which goes into my point earlier that Angel, the old X-Men, there is a naivete that they still have about what they do. And it's like, oh, we're the X-Men, we're the good guys, we're, you know, the way things used to be. And it's like, the X-Men, this is not the X-Men you left. This is a darker... This ain't your daddy's X-Men, this Angel. This ain't your daddy's X-Men. <laughs> this is an X-Men with grit, with blades, who will slice people open when it's necessary. Right. And although we won't see so, it yet... So, to be fair, the X-Men as a team don't really condone they don't. behavior. And they were appalled when Wolverine killed people before. Right. But then another time... They were... Colossus was like, oh, he took care of them. He took care of them. <laughs> Which, you know, is kind of a mixture between... Right. Know, but, but still. Anyway, this, my, the whole idea that the X-Men have... The X-Men have matured into a a more serious group without... Right. Warrior War the Team. All right, so then we have a quick flash to Aurora <laughs> walking through New York City in a great, great episode in which a super classy 70s guy... <laughs> calls Aurora Mama. Mama? Hey, Mama. And he says, Sweet thing, I am one fine dude. You are one fine fox. This is one fine night. <laughs> what say we make beautiful music together? How often do you think you practice that in the mirror? I don't know. I hope a lot. So, Aurora brings a storm cloud on top of him and rains on him. <laughs> Only this one guy. And yeah. like just like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, exactly. <laughs> the tiny little cloud. A lot of cartoon head. references in these issues. It is, it is. And then you have a great scene where he's uh, looking all. I like, love the way he's all. Like, <laughs> I know he's like, what happened? And everything about him is soaked and soggy. I know. Like his shirts all like he's hanging down now. Down. His hat's all crooked. His fro's kind of sagging. Yeah. Right. So jump to ironic hypocrisy. And you can hear trombone music. Oh, definitely. That definitely played. So Aurora goes to pick up 
to uh, pick up Kitty Pride from her dance lessons. So she's been dancing since the last issue, apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, not that much time has passed. Yeah. So she picks her up. Uh, she calls Kitty our kitten, all those quotation marks, our kitten. Yeah, Storm gets really offended by that, or bothered by that. I'm, but she has an uneasy feeling about Stevie Wonder. She does. Yeah. Or <laughs> Stevie Hunter, I mean. Stevie, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so then they get out, and they get in the car, and Kitty Pride goes through the door in the car, passes through the door with her power, and Aurora scolds her, even though Aurora had just brought a storm cloud on top of a guy that rained on him. Well, how do we know she did that? True. But how often do you see that? Anyway, it's a strange uh, scolding she gives uh, Kitty after she basically just did the same thing. Used her power in the middle of the street on somebody, much less. (laughs) So, anyway, cut to now we're in Canada again. And we have a pretty long sequence of Nightcrawler basically just running away from Wendigo. Yeah. And it's a good sequence. A lot of good action. It is. Nightcrawler trying to get away, jumping. He doesn't want to teleport. I didn't quite understand why he was so worried about teleporting. Yeah. I guess because he didn't know where he was, so he's afraid he would teleport onto a tree. That's kind of what he says, yeah. But it seems like he could see well enough to teleport at least a short distance just to speed up. Right. So I didn't quite understand that, but uh, there's a great panel where Wendigo's about to smash Nightcrawler, and then he teleports right in the middle of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that panel a lot. Um, So that's going on. While that's happening, Wolverine and Vindicator, Shaman and Snowbird, they're at some log cabin in the woods. The same one they were at last issue. Same one, with the Bigfoot plaster. Yeah. Trying to figure out, or trying to find the family that was attacked. Before Wendigo finishes the job, I guess, basically. Right. Referencing our sexy lady with the baby. Yep. And then, of course, Nightcrawler comes flying up to the door. And now, suddenly, they're all involved in the fight against Wendigo. Wendigo picks up a car, which is pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Vindicator. Until Vindicator melts it in midair. Yeah, Vindicator. Not awesome. Not awesome. (laughs) I don't know, kind of awesome. It would be more awesome if it didn't look like it turned into mud. Right. Like, it's like it looks like it liquefies it. Yeah. Which it's like, why didn't you just liquefy it, Wendigo? (laughs) I don't know what we're doing here. So, Wendigo picks up a tree, tries to smash Vindicator. I don't know. Why does Vindicator look like he's on a fire all the time? Like, when his super super suit's being used, it's like it glows. Like, it looks like electricity, though. Right. Which I guess it's supposed to. And I'm I'm not complaining about that. It's just that's an interesting part of it. Right. So Snow, Snowbird, Snowbird, yeah. Is that her name, Snowbird, uh, turns into a bird. Yeah, a, a snowbird. Snowbird. <laughs> Shaman brings a bunch of ice to put the fire out. To put the fire out that Wendigo has somehow created with the truck. Oh yeah, with the truck. Well, he but he <laughs> liquefied the truck. Why yeah. would it cause a fire? I don't really know. Now that you mention it, but that's what they say. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that happened. The explosion but. of the truck's fuel started a fire. So basically, that's on Vindicator. Yeah, Vindicator is the one that do, did that. So. Right. Well, speaking of the Fonz, there's a commercial for the Fonz. Oh, yeah, there is. For a car, the cartoon Fonz. Remember when they had the Fonzie cartoon? I do remember that. Didn't that didn't last very long. It did not. Not long at all. No. But anyway, random side note. Yeah. Man, we're old. So anyway, Wolverine's fighting. We get... A flashback. Another flashback, yeah. We find out a bunch of nuggets in this one. A bunch of good stuff in here. 
We get the, oh, do you want to tell the audience what you told me before we started recording about the adamantium skeleton? Oh, we can't. Yeah, we in. I feel like this needs to go on record. Okay. So I was mistaken or did not trust my co-host well enough. Let's, let's, um, what's, what's another way to say that? Then I was wrong. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember if we had had that disclosed yet, but of course when uh, the X-Men fought Proteus, or Proteus, 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 on Wolverine's fifth birthday, uh, he talks about how he can't possess Wolverine because of all the metal. And Wolverine spouts the line about, I got one billion dollars <laughs> worth of adamantium, or however, I think it was actually three million. Yeah. But, Dollars worth of adamantium on my skeleton. So so that has definitely been established. Yeah. So, anyway, I was right. You were right. Wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. That doesn't usually happen. I'm making a big deal out of it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, we get this flashback. We get some Wolverine talking about his adamantium skeleton. He got him in a suit, popping his claws, which is kind of... He's got a loose tie. Strange to see Wolverine. I like young Wolverine short hair. It's like after work. He's, uh, he's yeah. been at work all day, and he's like, oh... Take my tie, loosen my tie, and pop my claws. I'm ready to go. <laughs> we find out that he was in the Canadian Secret Service. Mm-hmm. But before they, that, they talked about that last time, right? Yeah, yeah. So what we do find out though is that the Hudsons found him sick, frozen, and starving in the wilderness. Yeah, and they took him in and nursed him back to health, and then he went to work with them. Right, and that they gave him the quote, dirty, brutal, necessary assignments. Right. No one else. Which, I, I don't know, we we can leave this open to interpretation, some, I guess, and some of this will be retconned. Yeah. But the way I took it from here is I don't feel like uh, James or Jimmy Hudson set him up for all the bad jobs. Like He just said, hey, I, I found you, we got you healthy, I work for the government, why don't you come work with me? Yeah. And then the government realized, oh, wait, we got this guy that we can send in all the dirty jobs. And I don't think it was really with... I don't think Hudson was like... He wasn't using Wolverine. Right. Right. I think he was just genu- genuinely trying to help. And then Department H yeah. uh, used and abused his power. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any... There, you don't, There's no suggestion anyway that there's a... Yeah, that there's any kind of malice or, or intentional... Abusing of right, Wolverine. even just, when Wolverine gets mad, he still loves Jimmy and Heather. Yeah, so, so this is clearly it's, it's the government, the government, the government that's taken Wolverine and, and given him his true calling. I guess right. might, one might talk about it. So this is also interesting. I just throw in here. It says here, and he never forgave them for what they did. Talking about to the government, right? And then made him do, of course. And when Charles Xavier offered him a way out, he took it. Which is interesting because that's very different than the scene we get in the very first appearance of Wolverine. I mean, it's not very different, but it's... I, I think it still fits. It like, still I fits. I don't think you have to do any uh, continuity gymnastics work. No, no, it's not contradictory, but it's in the in that original one, you get a very different impression. Which I guess the idea here is this is what was going on behind the scenes, we just didn't see this. Right. That's but why it, he was so fed up. Right. In the original one, it's really more of a... Wolverine's just doing what Wolverine does. And he's right. just like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. So I'm going to go with this guy because I feel like it. Right. Whereas here now we, we get all this dark darkness behind the story that, you know, he's right. upset. He didn't like it. He was angry at the government, wanted a way to get away from the government. See, that's also interesting because this is like Charles Xavier offered him this way out 
to say that to protect them. like Wolverine wanted a way out but didn't couldn't do it himself. Right. But then in the first issue, it's really Wolverine saying, "I'm leaving. If you don't like it, come get me." Right, and which, they do again. Which, <laughs> yeah, they do. Which sounds different than yeah. Anyway, but yeah. yeah. Either way, contextualizing there's some, there's some it. subtle difference. Yeah, all right. Yeah, which yeah, I mean, you know, we can't all obviously they didn't have everything worked out when they created Wolverine, and I think right. this is a, and this honestly, this is a good way to do it because you're not changing anything, you're not contradicting anything, right? And you're just you're adding an out. extra level that yeah. you know clearly could have been there. You're peeling back the Wolverine onion, exactly the onion of Wolverine. Yeah. Okay, so after that flashback. Wendigo has found this lady and her baby behind a rock with a bunch of skulls for some reason. He was keeping them, keeping them in his den. Oh yeah, they're at Wolverine's. I mean, uh, Wendigo's den. I didn't catch yeah. that. So they follow Wendigo back to his den, and in his den is the lady with her baby. Um, and basically, we get more fighting. Wendigo looks like he's about to eat the lady's leg. Yeah, so Wendigo's a leg man. A leg man, and Wolverine attacks him and. Looks like he's slicing it with his claws. Yeah, but remember he Wendigo's but Wendigo's is impervious. Yeah, Wendigo's vir- virtually impervious. Well, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, but it's consistent with the first appearance. It is. It is. But I still don't like it. I don't either. <laughs> we got a great panel of looking like Wolverine shoving his claws in full force. Oh my force. gosh, I love that panel. That's a great panel. I would love to have a picture of that without the thought balloon. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So with that... Wendigo goes down for the count. Wolverine gets the lady and her baby, escorts them. It's not long, though, before Wendigo catches up with them. Wendigo picks Wolverine up in a great moment in which I said earlier I felt like I really wish, instead of Wendigo saying, Wendigo, he should have said, I will break you. (laughs) Rocky 3, 4. Four. Which was Dolph Lundgren. Four. Yeah, four. The Dolph Lundgren. Because he picks up Wolverine like yeah. he's about to break him over. He throws him to the side and said, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> That's right. So, but then, of course, Nightcrawler shows up. Mm-hmm. And then gradually Vindicator back. And then everybody shows up. And once again, we're at full force here. Yeah. And then Snowboard, Snowbird, turns into a Wolverine. The white Wolverine. A white Wolverine that I don't think looks like a Wolverine. No, it doesn't. It looks, I, I, I said, it looks like if the Twilight, the Twilight. Twilight werewolves looked cool. You know what? You've nailed it. That's exactly or maybe what it looks like. maybe the underworld guy, the, the lichens or whatever. The body looks like the Twilight werewolves, and yeah. the face looks more like a tiger of some kind. Right. But that I love this panel of the white Wolverine on top of Wendigo's body. Yeah, sh- where the like face the is shat- all dark down. Yeah, man, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's a great panel. It doesn't look like a Wolverine. No, it doesn't. And I, I think it's strange that they didn't seemingly even attempt to make it look like a Wolverine. <laughs> but it is a awesome looking panel. But it yes. definitely looks like a werewolf. I mean, some kind of werewolf. Yeah, definitely. Which, if that had been a werewolf, I'd say that's an awesome werewolf. Right. Yeah. So it's strange. Now, so anyway, so she so the, she becomes Wolverine. Apparently, it's not clear exactly what happens, but somehow the animal takes over. Yeah, because she takes on the personalities of the animals that she turns into. That's right. So I guess the so Wolverine just, goes into its own version of a berserker rage. Right. So then she loses control and just becomes the Wolverine. Right. So then Wolverine, our Wolverine, has to basically talk her down. Right. By saying, hey, 
Andy, it's me, Logan. Yeah. It's well, me. And we get an off-panel, he bears his soul to her. Yeah. And the two will never be the and same. he calls her princess. Oh, yeah, it's just Wolverine being cool. Right. Hey, princess. And then she um, suddenly turns back into Snowbird. Yep. And they have a great moment. They do. Now, now we go back to Shaman, who takes Wendigo, who's unconscious still, I guess. Yes. Not dead. That one panel looks like he ate Wendigo <laughs> and killed him. <laughs> that Snowbird did. Yeah. Snowbird did. Wolverine Snowbird. Yeah. Um, but Shaman does some magic. Wendigo turns back into the guy from the original version, I guess. The brother? Yeah, the George, George's Baptiste. George's Baptiste, yeah. And then he arrests him. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this uh, Vindicator says, oh, by Canadian law. Yeah. Not any, no other laws, anything like this. Which well, I thought was like, weird because it seemed like pretty standard. Yeah, but it's like, like the guy was anything. trapped in the Wendigo. Yeah, but he said he chose to become Wendigo, so he's culpable. All right, that's true. That's a good point. But he was insane, so the, the, they'll be lenient on him. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to... He'll get off on the technicality or yep. something. Or at least go to an asylum for a while. This made me wish that there was a uh, Law and Order X-Men. <laughs> when you see the trial of Wendigo. Yeah, that's really funny. So... Then the Alpha <laughs> Flight gets into their airplane. Well, after Vindicator promises Wolverine he'll be pardoned. Yeah, he's going to pardon Wolverine. Which, does that happen? I guess it happens. I don't really remember. I don't know. They don't really go anywhere with that, I don't think. Uh, no, I think we'll find that out later. Yeah, they'll probably do more with that. When Alpha Flight, after Alpha Flight gets their own book. Which I felt like part of this part was a commercial for the Alpha Flight book. This part was, except it's not a very good commercial. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. Scratch that. I'll say that again in a couple of pages. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they get on this airplane that looks like the uh, Ace and Gary mobile. Because <laughs> it looks so much like a penis. It's really... It's even I got can't a little... imagine that there wasn't intentionally trying to make that a penis. I don't know. Uncircumcised, but still. And then then when it flies away, it looks like a copy of Bubba Fett's ship a little bit. Kind of, yeah. I got a little Slave going One. For a uh, Slave One slash penis. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, pitched, whoever pitched that, I hope that that's exactly how they pitched it. Right. Like in my mind, I'm seeing a combination between Bubba Fett, Slave One, and a giant penis. Yeah. Put them together. So the porno would be... Bubba's fat penis? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just move on. Right. <laughs> so we have a very introspective conversation between Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Yeah. They deal with... Um, Wolverine says, still smoking these long, thin cigar- cigarettes. Yeah. Cigarellos. Cigarellos, cigarritos, or whatever. Yeah. Talking about he's been a soldier and a secret agent and really makes a difference between... Trying to draw the line out. Let's read the whole thing. It's a good... Good bubble. Hey, you want to be Wolverine or Nightcrawler? Uh, I'll be Wolverine. Okay. Kurt, in my life, I've been two things. Is that a good voice? We'll go with that. Well, let's start. Let's start before that. Okay. All right. Looking at George's Baptiste, mind Freund, I can't help thinking, there before the grace of God goes you. How so? Baptiste, as Windigo, killed. Now he must pay the price. And you, Wolverine, should you not pay a price as well? Kurt, in my life, I've been two things. I sound more like Batman. That's okay. A wartime soldier and a secret agent. As one, my government paid me to kill. 
as the other. They licensed me to kill. <laughs> I was very good at both jobs. They liked that, and I got the medals and commendations to prove it. Perhaps, but... I ain't finished yet, bub. <laughs> Man comes at me with his fists. I'll meet him with fists. But if he pulls a gun or threatens people I'm protecting, then I got no sympathy for him. He made his choice. He'll have to live or die with it. I never used my claws on somebody who didn't, who hadn't tried to kill me first. I call that self-defense. I understand, Logan. What you say is reasonable, logical, justifiable. But does that make it right? Wolverine does not reply. <laughs> and for a long while, there is silence between the two men. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Right. So then we get our commercial for the upcoming... Well, hold on. Let's talk about that paradigm. Okay. Right. So I right. think it's interesting that Wolverine is laying out basically the wor- his worldview. Yeah. When it comes to death, life and death and combat. Right. And it's interesting and seemingly disingenuous that he says he never used his claws on someone who hadn't tried to kill him first. And that'll probably get changed. I can <laughs> imagine that's going to be retconned. I would imagine as a secret agent, if you're licensed to kill, I would assume, and I'm pretty sure we get retconned. And maybe you can even say they're definitely bad guys, but you still make the first move on some of those missions. Oh, yeah. Because you got to assume, and I'm pretty sure retconned this is true, things like assassinations are involved in this. And we've seen Wolverine kill lots of people who feasibly wouldn't have killed him. Now, they're right. trying to hurt him, maybe, or trying to do bad things. Right. So there's a, there's a moral gray... Remember they said a bad thing about the Canadian Prime Minister. Right. There's a moral gray area here that Wolverine's walking, which I'm not... I, but I but that's kind of Wolverine, good. though, right? Yeah, that's his character. But I think the it's interesting that... I think part of that throwing in the self-defense is a way to make him what comic heroes of this day were. Yeah. Like, See, if this had been written in the 2000s, you get all that same thing, except in the last part, instead of I never use my claws on someone who, instead of someone who hadn't tried to kill me first, it, it would be someone never, who didn't have it coming or something. Yeah, like or that. someone who didn't deserve it. Yeah. You get that with right. the more gray version of this. Where right, it's like, where he's well, still making a judgment what call. What exactly does that mean? Right, yeah. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. But it's a great, that's a great little, um, I know we kind of were stupid about it, but. No, but it was really cool. It's a really good conversation. I like it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I think, and I think it's an important one in a lot of ways. Because I agree, really, and I think it's important that it's Nightcrawler having it with him. Yeah, I agree. My, who who will? It's not yet. Ah, but we're waiting to see. But it's moving in the direction yeah. of being kind of the moral compass of the X Men. Right. Well, that, and of Wolverine in particular. And of Wolverine in particular, yeah, and and Wolverine really giving us for the first time. I mean, we. It's not like we didn't. You didn't already kind of assume this about Wolverine. Right. But it's like, this is him really laying out what he, I mean, his ideology, I guess. Yeah. As, as, as much as he has one, this is this is kind of it, I think. So anyway. All right. So Alpha Flight commercial. Yeah. So basically the Prime Minister says that, I thought this was interesting because I felt like in this era, in the Claremont Burn era, this hasn't really been touched on very much. When we talk about the anti-mutant hysteria down in America. Yeah, that was interesting. So, and now definitely that comes into play a lot 
spoiler in the next couple of issues. But yeah, he talks about how the public is distrusting of heroes in general. Yeah. Because of that. And so that Canada is shutting... It basically kind of gives him the speech of, Canada is officially shutting down Alpha Flight. But you guys are already a team. He <laughs> just kind of looks the other way and basically tells him, you guys still do what you got to do, but you can't be working with the government anymore. Yeah. It kind of sets up what we're about to, because we're about to get Alpha Flight number one pretty quick here. Yeah. We won't cover it on the podcast because this isn't the Alpha Flight podcast. And we've already clearly stated our disdain for Alpha Flight. Yes. <laughs> though, though there will be some issues down the line. Yeah. Obviously. There'll be some connections that you got to cover. But. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that's kind of that. And then we get our... our well, they're going to... Tra- they transition from the Avengers to the X-Men, really. It's kind of the way I think of it. Right. Being, being the government version to the outlaw team. Yeah. Yeah. The A-team, if you the will. The A-team, right? Dun, 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 dun. Yep. So then we go to a supervillain prison in New Mexico. Supermax. And the blob breaks out to join a new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Setting the stage for Days of Future Past. Yeah. One of the other great X-Men sites. We will see. Yeah. Arcs. Arcs. I guess that's yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah. So I do want to point out back when uh, Angel was talking to Professor X about Wolverine. Then Professor X did point out that, yeah, it's rough around the edges, but I know that Wolverine's a good man. Yeah. No, that, that was interesting. That is um, interesting. And I'm not saying we're done, because I don't remember, but I thought it was curious. And we have a panel of Nightcrawler in pure shadow, and it's the first time we've seen that that he doesn't talk about being invisible. I thought that exact same thing, and I meant to mention that when we went through here. And he even says later something about not being able to hide. Which yeah. that to me is like okay, so are are we done with that now? But and, could that? Because I also thought about that. But could that be because the Wendigo is seeing in thermal? Ah, not that not that Nightcrawler would have known that, right? But so Claremont kind of didn't want to write something that people would say, oh, wait, wait. Right. So yeah. my thought. So my thought was maybe that's why. Okay. Or just or Nightcrawler would know probably. He has hypersensitivity. Yeah, so he could still so, smell him yeah. like Wolverine. But but you're right in that he, he, especially in this one panel where he's clearly in the shadows. Right. There's no reference and, to that. Yeah, because that's normally where we get the, oh my, I'm turning nigh invisible. Right. Whenever yeah. whenever he gets near a shadow, he's right. always like, I will <laughs> almost turn invisible. Right. Yeah. So maybe it'll be interesting that this could be the moment when it's over. Right. So, I'm going to say something that I don't think either artist would be offended by. I see a lot, in this issue particularly, with the Wendigo facial expressions. Yeah. And the use of shadow. I see a lot of, I think Todd McFarlane read these issues. Oh. I see a lot of McFarlane... Of, of a lot of this influencing McFarlane. Yeah. The panel that we talked about where Nightcrawler bamps out of his hand, yeah. that face there looks very mcfarlane Then the part later where Wendigo is, um, he pulls the rock away and he's looking at the the mom and the, the kid with the, the yeah. skull cave. The yeah. shadow on that, that looks like a panel out of a Spawn comic. Yeah, it does. Right, so there's definitely some influence. And I think McFarlane would say that Burns a big influence, so oh, there's yeah, no real big sure. surprise there. But I just kind of really noticed that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good observation. I was pretty quick thinking of Nightcrawler, maybe a little too quick. 
that he, he, he tell, I thought it was a cool strategy. So basically, when as far as the time when he's finding when to go, he teleports into the air because he can he looks up, right, and then he looks down to find someone to teleport to, right. But I mean, really though, as soon as he landed in the sky, he would start falling really fast. So right. he had to really be like quick thinking to find a place to teleport to. But to you land. know, we've seen him already teleport through the sky, yeah, like multiple places through the sky. So right. I wondered why. My, one thing I was concerned oh, concerned I thought was strange is why he didn't just go in the sky and then teleport a bunch of times right and put a little more distance between them right because it seems like he can I mean practically fly yes because he can just choo 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 you know and just keep going higher and higher he's looking up and just keep going eventually but he needed to be thrown into the cabin true but then again <laughs> I mean they're, they're he's bringing Wendigo to the cabin so there's a purpose to what he's doing right He's not trying to lose Wendigo. He's just trying to... Uh, I mean, he kind of is, but they're is. also kind of the trying to... The plot point was to, for him to go to the cabin. Right. I don't know if Nightcrawler really thought that. Well, that's true. So I, we have an easy-to-miss snick. <laughs> when Wolverine <laughs> runs out of the cabin, the snick is like down in the bottom corner of the panel. Yeah. We already talked about how he got a better offer, all the flashback stuff. We kind of get our first... Rematch with Wendigo with Wolverine from his first appearance. Yeah, haven't had the Hulk rematch yet. Oh, yeah, and we do get the Wendigo. <laughs> I said one of my only big drawbacks to this era of Claremont, which I which I enjoy a lot. I mean, you can yeah. tell by how high we've been reading the books. I thought because Wolverine goes into a berserker rage, but his inner monologue is awfully chatty when he's <laughs> in his berserker. Like you know, yeah. he has a lot of coherent thought. For, for a Berserker Rage. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of the only... And, and we get that a lot in Claremont Berserkers, where he's still very much... He's very clear in thought. Yeah, which, which he shouldn't be. I mean, right. from, from the way we understand the Berserker Rage, he should not really be thinking at all, for the most part, except for how, you know... Yeah. So I also really enjoyed the panel when Wolverine's... Uh, Escorting the mother and child to safety, and he senses Wendigo and turns around. That shadow on half his face it looked really, really cool. I like how Nightcrawler calls him Mind Klein Freund, my little <laughs> yeah. friend. He should have said, Is it Sieb? Sieben is say in German? I think so. He should have said, Sieb, hello, zu Mein Kleiner Freund. <laughs> <laughs> All you, for all you German fans of Scarface, <laughs> I hope you're laughing really loud. I hope someone got that. It's laughing hard at that. Um, oh, I was a little distraught, maybe, or bothered that they they point out that when Snowbird turns into the White Wolverine, she's similar to Wolverine, but really there's no comparison. Like she's vastly superior. Didn't really like that that much, but. Yeah, and I, it was weird. And Wolverine is like, oh, his whole thing about how every every fiber of his being wants to fight the Wolverine to show right. to just you know show his power. That was kind of strange too. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. That didn't make any sense to me why that Wolverine was better than. Yeah, I don't know. I also felt like we're hinting at a thing between Wolverine and Snowbird, and I don't know if that hap- if something with that happens in the upcoming. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, (laughs) 
But I don't know because we do have some upcoming Wolverine appearances in Alpha Flight. Yeah. So, so I don't know if be... that gets dealt with there because I've never read those before. Yeah. Right? When we get to those, it'll be a first read. Because in X-Men, we don't ever really see this again. Right. Or maybe it just it's just forgotten about. Maybe I don't know. just friends. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's a good question. But there definitely seems to be a, a Wolverine Snowbird crush. On a, a, a point of, of just curiosity. Yeah. Related to Snowbird. When she turns into the animals, she just turns into the animal normally. But here, it seems like she's turned into some kind of super-powered Wolverine. Yeah. But there's no such thing as a white Wolverine. So I, right, I think it's maybe a mythical creature she turned into. I don't know if there's some kind of... I should have Googled that, I guess. I don't know if there's any kind of, like, legend of a white Wolverine. Or, or maybe so. That's interesting. I didn't think. I didn't even think about that. I just assumed yeah, I she know. was a white-colored Wolverine. Right, because all her animals are always white. So that, right. makes, that makes sense. But this thing is huge. But, it, yeah, it's big. It doesn't look that much like a Wolverine. And it's very powerful. And this powerful. idea that it's... That's more powerful than the human Wolverine with adamantium claws and adamantium skeleton. Yeah. Why any animal would be more powerful than that, save maybe like a dinosaur. Anyway, the only thing that comes up on Google as the White Wolverine, there's a snowboarder whose nickname is the White Wolverine. Interesting. And some Wolverines have white patches. Okay. <laughs> so not nothing helpful there. Did you check Canadian Google? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Canoogle? Canoogle. <laughs> Wait, oh my gosh. Call, call my lawyer real fast before oh, I put man. this podcast out. An hour ago, that wouldn't have been funny, but we've passed the late point now where it's yeah. like, that stuff starts to get funny. Yeah. So, uh, we do have our ironic Indian moment where he talks about how uh, Shaman had traded his Native American heritage to go learn the white man's medicine. But now he was relying on that heritage and mystical arts to save the day. Yeah. I didn't like that. Irony, Val. Bring the irony bell. Well, irony bell, but I thought that was kind of ridiculous. It's a little condescending, I think. It's very condescending. But see, okay, but all right. Because they emphasize the white man's medicine. I'm wondering if he's trying to make, Claremont's trying to make commentary like, like, I don't feel this, but this is what our character has been made to feel. Like. Maybe. Like, like, um, when. Shaman left to go study, like maybe everybody gave him a hard time, like he was abandoning his culture or something. Yeah, but I, I guess was that a thing? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know claim to know that. To me, that the idea, I mean, I don't know. I, I have not walked in Shaman's shoes, so I don't know yeah. what his life has been like. All right, as a fictional character, but the idea that it's not, you know, the because the way it's set up that he's rejected his heritage. Right. But he's not rejecting well, his heritage. Well, he's been using the magic the whole also, time anyway. Right. He is a magical <laughs> character who has powers. Right. Who is a Native American. It's not like he dyed his hair blonde and it went to Southern California. Right. And is now trying to be a doctor. Right. He studied medicine to help his own people. Yeah. And it's not like he's just kind of strong. So, yeah. so there's, there's no abandonment of heritage. Right. Except... Unless he was raised by some kind of extremely fundamentalist <laughs> Native American. Right, who said that medicine was wrong. Right, yeah, who's just like anything that's not traditional Native culture is right. evil. Or the white devil. Right, but there's no, yeah, I mean, I don't as know. far as I know, there's no story behind that. And that seems pretty extreme. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. Was, I thought that, that was, was a very bizarre thing because it yeah. was. I don't know. It was really like, oh, Indians can't study medicine and unless they've abandoned their culture and heritage. Right. And it's like you study whatever you want to study. I mean, <laughs> you go to college, you get a degree. Yeah, get your scholarship on. It was a bizarre uh, moment of political yeah. feistiness. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All right, so let's go ahead and. Instead of going to a conclusion, let's wrap up the Wolverine part and then we'll move to the Sabretooth part. Okay. So, we learned a lot in these two issues. So, first of all, what do you think of the new costume? Let's talk about that first. That's kind of the one of the big things we get here. I love the new costume. I do too. Uh, where I'm do you rank this, this in Wolverine costumes? It's towards the top. It's definitely very to much towards it. the top. I have to think about it for yeah. sure, but There are parts I like... Probably my favorite is kind of what he, well, I say now, before last week when the new, when he got a new costume in modern day. But kind of the rework of the old costume into modern. But I like the color of this better. It's, it looks more like a Wolverine than yellow and blue. Right. And this is the costume I grew up with. Uh, I could do without the giant belt. Yeah. But, you know, like, that's a sign of his times. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, this is probably character. my favorite costume, and maybe it's just maybe it's just because it's the one I grew up with. Yeah, and because the one Jim Lee started on, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's an improvement over what we've had so oh, far. Oh yeah, it's way better than the the original one certainly, and even the one in the last, the one they've been doing for a while, right. which is not that different than the original, but kind yeah. of a little bit souping up. Yeah, this is better. And I think the color fits Wolverine more. It just, the the darkness, it's darker. You right. Know, it's more earthy, I think. Yeah, and definitely. It, it sets them apart from the rest of the team in their bright colors. I think, <laughs> yes. which, is, which I think is, is an important part of it, you know, that he's not the the brightness of the of, of a lot of the other characters' uniforms. You get the dark, the kind of dark, drab, dirtier. Right. Which is Wolverine, you know? He's not the brightness. He's the gray area. He's the, the down and dirty figure. He's the one who's in the muck, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I ramble on and on. I like it a lot. Although, I mean, it's hard to say. Because Wolverine's had some great costumes. He has. Yeah, he has. Years. But yeah, this is definitely tops. Yeah. All right, so we also get the first time, I think, not 100% on this, but I think it's the first time he calls Professor X Chuck. <laughs> I think I think you might be right. We get a reference, a lot of references to his past, and we don't. I guess we don't need to recap all those again. But we get a whole lot of his backstory. A lot of yeah, a lot of which good is stuff. really cool. And I don't know, and just and a retelling of his first appearance in a yeah. way, or at least yeah. a retelling of the way in which it, or a, a deeper retelling. I don't know. Yeah. And so at least one of the X-Men learns his real name is Logan. And I kind of feel like as soon as they get home, Nightcrawler's going to go around and be like, hey, did you know Wolverine's name is Logan? I assume that they're going to do something in a big room, and then Nightcrawler's going to say, hey, Logan. And everyone's going to say, who's Logan? Right. And Nightcrawler's going to be like, it's Wolverine. You don't know his name. <laughs> and be a real dick about it. Like, right. he really and knows he's Wolverine. my best friend. Right. You guys didn't even learn his name. Right. He's been here this whole time. Now, speaking of best friends, I think the fact that Nightcrawler takes his trip with him and all this stuff, we're setting up that really, really deep friendship between yeah. Wolverine and Nightcrawler, which is really cool. What else do we got? I think we talked about most of it. Um, 
Oh, we need to grade the book. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we grade it and move on to Sabretooth? Yeah, I'm covered it pretty good. Yeah. All right, so what are you going to grade Uncanny X-Men number 140? I'm going to give six out of six. Yeah, me too. This is a great book. Yeah, a lot like of action, it. a lot of things happen, a lot of great reveals. Definitely. Great art. Oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, yeah. <laughs> John Byrne is, is I mean, killing we, it. We keep saying that, but it, it, yeah. it's you know, just great. I've always kind of like had John Byrne, like one of those guys that I revered. Yeah. But going back and rereading this really old stuff, like he's on my very, very short list of favorite artists. Yeah. Like possibly, I don't, I don't know. I haven't really sat down and put pen to paper on who my favorite artists are, but he's up there, especially for the time, you know. And it's but even even if it came out today, like because there's there's a period later where his art gets when he's inked by some other different people. Yeah. And not Terry Austin, his art's a little less appealing. Yeah, so maybe Terry Austin's the real hero here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, um, not really. No. I mean, he's part of no. it, I guess. But. <laughs> but it is definitely a great team. But anyway, yeah, more, just another issue, another two issues of great art. So, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, it would be, it would be, it'd be interesting to see, I don't know, how, you couldn't really do this effectively, probably, but to see these, what John Byrne and Terry Austin, for that matter, could have done with the kind of technology we have today for coloring. Oh, right. You know, again, I no like the colors one. in this, though. It's good, but it's, it's. I mean, it just looks old. I mean, you could tell yeah. just the way the colors are kind of faded and the dots and all the kind of stuff, the way they did that. Yeah, but see, I like all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, the way it's done at right. the time. But it'd just be interesting to it see. It would be what, interesting to see what like, it would look like. I mean, all just, the, the realistic coloring and stuff. Like if that. it would still be really good, or if that's if this stuff wouldn't work with the real kind of more realistic colors. I bet it would. I think but. it would too. I think it would look great. But but yeah, I mean, you know, this is John Burns. I guess I, I struggle with that a little bit because if you look at like trades of this stuff where it's been recolored, yeah, it doesn't look that great. But part of it though, they don't color it the same way as they would a new comic book, right? All right, cool. Uh, let's move on. All right, and we're back. Sabretooth time. Sabretooth time. So we're going to talk about Sabretooth's second appearance. Almost three years later from his first appearance. Yeah, it's a long he's, time. He's been on the shelf a while, but this is Power Man and Iron Fist number sixty-six. For such a, for someone who becomes such an important character, it's interesting that it was three full years and that it's still in Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> right. Yep. So number sixty-six is the Jade Tiger. This is written by Mary Jo Duffy, pencils by Carrie Gamble. Inks by Ricardo Viamonte, letters by Jim Novak, and Glennis is the colorist. Glennis Oliver. Oh, mine just says Glennis. Oh. Did they fix it in the reprint? Mine says Glennis Oliver. Oh, okay. So not Glennis Wine. It's a strange name. That's because that's recolored, though, probably, so they probably used an updated name. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So maybe uh, this what is, camera's talking maybe about it's still Glennis Wine. Is, and very interestingly... 
So there's a reprint series called Sabretooth Classics. And number one does not start with his first appearance. <laughs> Strangely. But his second enough. appearance. Anyway, this is uh, his second appearance. And the cover is by none other than Frank Miller. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and on the cover, which you have in the back of yours, if you want to look at it. I was going to say, that's not it. Yeah. Is uh, death is the only escape from dot dot dot, and then some Asian font, the Jade Tiger. And we have the reason I picked this comic, if we refer to our intro, is a really awesome drawing of this uh, statue of a Jade Tiger. And it's cool because, in very Frank Miller style, you can see the reflection of the Daughters of the Dragon, aka Misty Knight. And calling Wing reflected in the shadow. Then you have Iron Fist and Luke Cage in the background, and the whole background looks like a big blood splatter. Yeah. I got cool Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, obviously, I, I very stupidly picked it over Sabretooth's first appearance. <laughs> so I love the, this cover a lot. The tiger's a little cheesy looking. The face, I think. Yeah, and actually, even though the art overall is not as cool as if it was Frank Miller, I think the tiger looks better inside. Yeah. On well, the um, cover, it looks like a He-Man he, battle cat. Yeah, he looks kind of like he's smiling. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't want to say, I thought, you know, speaking of artists influencing other artists, when I look at Luke Cage, or, I'm sorry, Power Man down there, <laughs> I see Eric Larson. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, this is an awesome cover by Frank Miller. All right, so what we have inside the comic is uh, we have our ex-Robin Nightwing. Oh, wait, I mean... <clears throat> <laughs> uh Knight and Wing, not Nightwing, find stolen art. Or they're trying to recover stolen art. In particular, they're looking for the Jade Tiger. They fight off the baddies, but are stopped by Constrictor and Sabretooth. There's some more fighting. Uh, the bad guys, uh, Sabretooth and Constrictor, decide to close the safe. But there's an electromagnet, and it pulls in... Misty Knight, because she has a robot arm and traps her inside. But Sabretooth and Constrictor don't realize it. Okay. I didn't understand that. I mean, yeah. I understood it, but I thought that he did that on purpose. And then they kept saying right. they didn't know. And I was yeah. like, what? So then our heroes, our other heroes, Luke and Danny, as Iron Fist and Power Man. It's their secret identities. Yeah. They're helping a friend reopen their theater. And we see Colleen stumbling around. She took a, a nice uh, scratch <laughs> from Sabretooth in the yeah. side. And she's stumbling around looking for Iron Fist. Iron Fist spars a guy who has a necklace made out of foreshadowing that never goes anywhere. <laughs> I thought for sure when they focused on the guy's necklace being a jade tiger paw, yeah. it would somehow tie back into the story. It well, maybe it will. Well, it doesn't. Oh, you're right. In maybe down books. the line. Okay. Because the jade tiger story is just beginning. Because that's, that's true. Do Cause, stuff with yeah, because they're going to give it. All right. So Colleen eventually finds Danny and explains that Misty is locked in the safe. Danny calls a Luke at the hero for Hyder's office, and they decide they're going to help. Iron Fist sneaks in and tricks the guards with his sash. Cage is not so sneaky. He just charges the front door. Iron Fist uses his um, Iron Fist to smash the safe door. He helps Misty out as Constrictor whoops up on Luke. Oh, on Luke and Colleen. Tooth attacks Misty Fist. That's a new sex move. <laughs> um, Luke very comically sneaks around Constrictor. Uh, Sabretooth turns out the lights and huts 
hunts Iron Fist in the dark, but Iron Fist plays possum by getting clawed in the back and beats Sabretooth. Luke gets tangled in Constrictor's coils, but he spins Constrictor into the water to electrocute him because his coils are electric. They all call the police, but decide they can keep the tiger to take the, to the mysterious boss. And we end the story on a dumb joke. So I found a lot of interesting things in here. Yeah. That were funny in some cases, ridiculous in other cases. Yeah. What do you think of this uh, first page? <clears throat> it's a cool panel. I like it a lot. Uh, the tiger's front and center looks really cool. I'm sorry, the jade tiger. The jade tiger. Looks really cool. Um, Misty and Colleen look fairly cool. Fairly cool. I think Although, Misty actually looks pretty sweet. Colleen with her kind of faux ninja clothes. I don't know. But, but I also like all... I mean, the tigers in the foreground, we have a whole lot of art like all around this panel. I thought it looked cool. I think that the things that... that that are interesting about their teams. Like Misty Knight, I think she just looks cool. She looks like... She does. She's just like a, a tough 70s... She's like a Pam Greer, as yeah. she's supposed to be. Yeah. But if you think about the two of them, they're like the female versions of Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes, they are. funny, because you have like... But they're the, opposite. The opposite. You have the hardcore... Because Iron Fist loves Misty, and Whoop will eventually, I think, has a thing for Colleen at some eventually. point. No, I'm not 100% sure on that. <laughs> I yeah, might I be misspeaking. I'm not sure about that either. But but just, you know, the fact that you have the Missy Knight is kind of the tough, more, you know, fight it out. And then you have the kind of martial arts mixture that you get with Iron Fist. Yeah. Misty Knight, the problem with, not Missy Knight, Colleen Wing. Wait, which one's which? Misty's the one with the fro, and Colleen's the one in the commander. Right, okay, that's what I thought. I get that mixed. They had it, they had it different. Anyway. Colleen, the thing, the thing that bothers me about Colleen is that, one, her outfit looks like a children's costume. <laughs> yes, it does. I'm not quite it sure It looks like a Halloween costume it. from Kroger. It does. It looks <laughs> like a fake ninja costume. Or and your regional grocery store. And she's store got these boots on. Yeah. Which, how are you going to do martial arts in some big old thick boots? I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. And I feel like they're trying so hard to show her Asian-ness. Right. But she's got the red hair. <laughs> so they have to go... But she's only halfsies. Right, but but yeah. to keep it going, so then they have to really push the face. So, like, okay. I don't know, she's drawn, like, with really Asian eyes. Right. And then right. the red hair, which, you know, I, they're just trying to show it, I guess. But it's... So, it, I don't know, she ends up kind of looking strange, I guess, is my point. I like that uh, Sabretooth... And that, that's not always there, which I guess is what, I, what I'm trying to get at. If you'll notice, when they draw her... Only sometimes does she have the, the really <laughs> almond eyes. Right. Like when it's a regular panel, but then there's a lot of times when stuff's happening that she does she just has more Anglo-looking eyes, I guess. Right. Uh, I like uh, the another, we get another Jimi Hendrix reference uh, <laughs> where Sabretooth calls Colleen Little Wing. Yeah. Actually, he says Little Colleen Wing. Little but, Colleen but Little Wing, of course, the Jimi Hendrix song. We also get Sabretooth say something racist. Well, first of all, he says frail again. He says frail, which yeah. is interesting. Classy Sabretooth. Classic but Yes, he does. He calls Colleen slant eyes. Yeah, which I wonder in 1980. It seems like that would already not be cool, but. It seems like it. I don't know. But I don't know. 
But he's a bad guy, and he says it. So yeah, that makes it kind of okay, I guess, because we're supposed to hate him. Well, right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with that being in there, because, again, he's a bad guy. So the idea is he, you're, we're supposed to not like him. You're supposed right. to. Right. But it's just an interesting little addition. Yeah. So uh, this Gamble guy, Sabretooth's a little bit bulkier, right? Or is it just my remembering wrong? Um, it's like his jacket's thicker. I thought well. he was doing a more trim when he fought Iron Fist last Yeah, time. I think you're probably right. He's a little wider, and then the fuzzy back makes it look even more, I think, adds right. to that. So I, I thought it was interesting that uh, Constrictor's coils are made out of adamantium. I thought that was interesting, too. I thought Constrictor was kind of stupid. Um, yeah. I mean, not terrible. I thought he was okay for this story. For what he, I wouldn't want to see him all the time. Yeah, it was too much like a... Doc Ock meets Omega Red. Well, see, I was trying to think of... I don't know where he starts. Like, whose villain he really is. Yeah. That, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what his first appearance is. Yeah, it's it's like... Almost like he was made up for this comic. Well, I'm going to Google that real fast. I have to find that out. So, one thing I don't understand... Or not understand again. That bugged me about Colleen Wing again. I'm going to keep picking on her. <laughs> Why she keeps fighting with her sword in the sheath? Is she not serious? No, she's she's not ready to commit to when the job. When she sees Sabretooth, who almost killed her and Iron Fist before. Right. And this bizarre constrictor guy who knows what he's doing. And by the way, he's originally a Hulk villain. Oh, okay. But that actually makes sense. Yeah. Because then see he that. would need the <laughs> unbreakable coils because he would just try to wrap up Hulk and Hulk would just right, snap Hulk him. Would just tear him apart. Yeah. But I don't understand why she... It's so stupid that she keeps trying to fight with this sheath. So why is the yeah. sheath not tied to her and she, belt? And she keeps saying, if only I unsheathed this sword, it would be really deadly. I know. <laughs> also, take the damn like, sheath even off. Even without the sword, even without right. out of the sheath. It's like, pull it out and fight. That's what she said. Ayo. <laughs> Get to it. Right. It's a strange thing. And then later she does pull it out and then just gets electrocuted. Right. Yeah. Unsheaths the sword. Yes. It still sounds bad either way. Yeah. So I think we have exposition via fan club <laughs> where, where the kids on the street are watching Luke Cage move this big desk and they go, Power Man is the strongest, baddest dude there is and he's got bulletproof skin too. <laughs> and basically everything you need to know about Power Man. hear the Shaft theme song in the background. <laughs> yeah. He's going over oh all gosh. his powers. I love how his belt is a chain. It's just that's just badass right there. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm so hardcore. I use a chain for my belt. Right. And then I I really liked the scene, although it's kind of it's campy, but you know it, it works like the lemonade advertisement in the X Men comic where he drops the stupid Coke machine. <laughs> yes. Where he starts talking about, hey, look, we have a Coke machine. I told you we'd finally get a Coke machine. It works. And then his girlfriend tackles him and he drops it and it just smashes into bits. Right. And then he ties the... Uh, so his girlfriend, I guess, is a model. And she's on a photo shoot. Yeah. And the cameraman... Or the shoot, the guy shooting the shoot... Who looks like a porn cameraman. Yes, he does. But it was the 70s, so I'm assuming they all 70. did. That is true. Actually, this is 80, but same Close difference. Enough. Yeah. Close enough. But yeah, Luke Cage wraps the tripod around his neck. Yeah. And the guy uh, gets paralyzed. Off <laughs> He becomes a quadriplegic. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't see that <laughs> until he comes back later to exact his revenge. Yeah. But, um... I also thought it was really funny that their friend's name is D.W. Griffith. Like, the famous director. Oh. Like, exactly like? 
Yeah, D.W. Griffith. Oh, that's probably the same guy. No, this guy's dead by this point. Oh, maybe it's his son. He, he, is, he is running a theater. Maybe. I thought it was a weird reference to be exactly the same. Yeah, that is weird. To be D.W. Griffith. Your birth of a nation. Mary and Joe Duffy must have really enjoyed his films. Maybe so, maybe so. I thought that was kind of funny. And then this one panel with uh, Iron Fist where he looks like Robert Redford. He does! I was trying to think of who that... He looks exactly like Robert Redford. Yeah, okay. And then we go to this weird Middle Eastern restaurant. Yeah, and we meet the bad guy who wants to jade I get The restaurant is not weird. It's weird that it's like the bad guy is there and the maitre d' is like, oh, I better tell him the pirate man is here. It's random. random. Yeah, yeah, random, I guess, is better than weird. And then we have Colleen crawling through the alley with a slash in her side. Right. She looks in so much pain in that middle panel on page 11. It's a good panel. It is a good panel. The art in this is pretty good. It is. Sam Rattus a little uglier than I prefer. But other than that, I I like this gamble guy. I don't really know him. I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, I don't know either. But But he does a good job. I think he had a pretty long run on this book. Yeah. But that that panel of her clutching her side, that's a really good panel, I think. Her fingers look a little clawish, but... Yeah. So I'm not a ninja, in case you were wondering... That's true. I'm not not I can, a ninja. I can vouch for that. He is yeah. not a ninja. I'm pretty sure that even a really good ninja deflecting throwing stars would end up with throwing stars stuck in their hands. Depends on how you power the for parry the force, man. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. I, I, also I, like, I don't think that was really I, so. Uh, either, but. Iron Fist sparring partner is a guy named Bob Diamond. It's yeah. a great name. So anyway, uh, from one. I won't even call these panels because this is a panelist page. Yeah. But one scene it's in like the page for just the bow staff training, he, he grows a ponytail. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so I got a real problem with this whole scene. Okay. Well, you took karate. Yeah. <laughs> Not with the martial arts of it. <laughs> okay. Just with the... So Colleen Wing busts through the door, right, as this guy's about to leave because he's got to be at the theater because he's right. doing a play. She busts in, tells them basically what's happened. That Misty's about to die, and she's about to die too. Cause she's got a hole in her side. Oh, wait, Iron Fist will be in the play too, right? Isn't he one of the ballet dancers? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I was gonna mention those shoes. A little bit. <laughs> those shoes kill me. I don't. Yeah, I never I, understand. I hate those. Why they didn't just make those boots? Like why the whole bare leg part of it? Why not just make the whole thing a boot? Or let him be barefoot like Quick Kick. Or be barefoot like Quick Kick. Exactly. Anyway, so basically. She tells them what's happening, and then a panel where that is not a very cool panel where she looks horrific, and they missed painting one of her fingernails. Oh yeah, it looks like she's dying. It probably probably flaked off during she the fight. aged a hundred years in that picture. So the actor guy says, "Uh, Danny, there's probably still time for the understudy to go on in my place if I called the theater." And Iron Fist, who's now just found out that his close friend is trapped in a vault, probably about to die. His other close friend has been scratched up by the Sabretooth, who almost killed both of them before. Right. Says, no, your play's more important. <laughs> Take care of that. I'll you deal have, with this. You have your responsibilities. I have mine. That was ridiculous. <laughs> who would say that? Especially since they're friends. It's not like, well, they don't really know each other. It's like right. they're friends. And the guy offers, I want to help you save the lives of these two ladies. Right. But instead, no, your play's important. And maybe his whole career hinged on it. I don't know. But it was it was very akin to last time when we talked about Dazzler's exit. 
Where she's like, saving the world's your thing. Right. I'm out of here. I gotta go roller skate and sing. <laughs> I gotta sing and blow some lights. <laughs> and this was just like, no, you go do your play. That's your responsibility, your play. Like, I don't know. That was a really weird, a weird yeah, scene. It was. And I guess it was just they didn't want him, they didn't need him in this. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what was the... They wanted to set him up at this point, but they didn't want him to get in the action. I don't know. I'm assuming it's just because his necklace, and he'll come in later after after they turn the tiger over to the mystery bad guy. Right. I'm assuming there'll be something where he'll... I'm assuming he'll be bad at some point. And Iron Fist and him will have to fight for real. That's why they made the big deal about how I got the best of you. Don't uh, don't try to say you let me win or something. Ah, uh, okay. So he'll be a he'll be a villain. So I bet if I was more committed and decided to keep reading all the Power Man and Iron Fist, which I will not, um, <laughs> if I was, I bet that's that happens with at some point. Yeah. And not maybe not like the claw takes over and he becomes a bad guy. Not like like they stay friends, but yeah, I don't know. that's interesting. Anyway. Anyway. So we go to Misty Knight sinking in the in the vault. Yeah, she's in the vault, running out of air. And a mean, sassy secretary. Yeah. So then we get to the warehouse, back to the warehouse, and uh, Colleen, Luke, and, and Danny are talking, and suddenly Danny's not there. And it talks about <laughs> how he's trained as a ninja, <laughs> but I think really he was trained as a cartoon. <laughs> this, I I, <laughs> I hated how much I loved this sequence. <laughs> This is so cheesy. All right, so let's, let's walk you through this, reader. Iron Fist is going to sneak in the building. He goes and hides behind a lamppost where you can <laughs> see his whole shadow. See his body behind the lamppost. Then he jumps over a couple of feet and hides behind a mailbox. <laughs> then he jumps over and hides behind the moving truck. And then... Two guys are carrying a big painting inside, and he st- gets behind the painting and walks with them. And you see his little feet under the painting. And for some reason, there's four guards, and they're all facing the right, the other direction. <laughs> right. But they only need to guard that way. Right. Only on this side <laughs> can someone be. And you can see his stupid little sandals below the picture <laughs> they're carrying. Which is the craziest part of that little scene. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there because it was such, that was so comical. It's like, right. oh, here we are. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so then he sneaks upstairs and he sees the guard in the room he needs to be in. Who's and a he... guy who's been transported from the 1920s. <laughs> in a pinstripe suit and what looks like a Tommy gun. <laughs> yes, yeah. But <laughs> Iron Fist fools him. <laughs> he throws his sash out and the guard sees it and says, hey, I know you're back there, see? <laughs> And <laughs> Iron Fist puts him in a chokehold, and then uh, Luke Cage is like, "F this!" <laughs> and he he screams at the top of his lungs, and just crashes in. And of course, he's bulletproof, so they all shoot him, and no it's one true. cares. And I like Misty. I mean, uh, Colleen Wing says, "Oh, brother!" <laughs> but I like when he gets shot twice in the chest in this one scene, and it looks it looks like he has a laser nipples. Yeah, it does. And there's Colleen Wing fighting with her sheathed sword once again. Yeah. Um, I really don't understand so, that. I guess because she doesn't want to kill anybody. I guess yeah, maybe that that's must the be point. The thing. Yeah. But they're trying to kill her. Uh, yeah, I agree. All right, so then Luke Cage uh, wraps an uh, uh, antique axe around the door to keep it closed. <laughs> no respect for the arts. No respect. And then oh, he- I said, I said antique axe more like antique bow tie <laughs> zing <laughs> little brother oh man so I <laughs> okay 
Let's break this down a little bit. Misty Knight gets drawn into this safe and trapped because the safe door is electromagnetic. Yeah. Iron Fist uses the, to- the totality of his chi to make his iron fist and bust the door open, which apparently disintegrates it. <laughs> yeah, because it's just gone. It's gone. It's not in pieces. It's nowhere. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, uh, why does Misty Knight still have her arm? Shouldn't he have punched her arm right off? Yeah, because her arm was connected to the door, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes no sense at all. Yeah, but anyway. He used just enough chi, so he rescues her. Finally, Colleen Wing unsheathes the sword. Well, before we get there, I, I thought oh. this shadow on Luke Cage's back of the constrictor approaching yeah, looked cool. really cool. It was a good art. It was very cool. And constrictor shows up. Yeah. Looking like Scorpion. A little bit, yeah. Power Man says... Who the heck are you? <laughs> and then that's when Colleen Wing unsheathes the sword, and immediately it's wrapped by the constrictor, and she's electrocuted. Yep, and she's out for the count. And she's done. That's it for her. Well, I do want to say, I, I feel like this book, or even this issue, went a long way to showing two very capable, pretty badass female characters. Yeah. But when the chips were down and fighting the big bad guys for the climax of the story, they're both out of action. Oh, yeah. So I feel like we're still kind of in that, I don't know, girls are kind of equal, but not really. Girls are getting tougher. Right. You just still need a man when the job to get the job done. No, if my well, man was Luke Cage, I would always need a man. And to too. be fair, the book is called <laughs> Power Man and Iron Fist. That's it's true. It's not So it's book. more about the... the, the top billing than it is gender equality. And this this story is them saving those girls. They're ladies. Yeah. So, you know, but I agree with you. There is kind of a, there's a weird element to that and they start out really hardcore characters and then both done. Yeah. Ultimately you need, but again, it's Sabretooth and Constrictor, so. Yeah, and they're pretty formidable. I don't know about Constrictor, but. He's got adamantium coils. He does have adamantium coils. Can't feel good to get whipped with those. Although I don't really think him getting electrocuted makes that much sense. You would think if he already had the charge going through his coils, he would be a little bit immune to it. Well, my assumption is he must be wearing a suit that that is both creating this charge and protecting him from the charge. Right. So I would think it's some kind of rubber suit, maybe. You'd think. So well, just because it gets wet doesn't getting mean the wet, exactly shouldn't neutralize the protection that the coil gives. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But how else are you going to get rid of the guy? Yeah, I don't know. I will say I really love this panel of Sabretooth on top of the statue, except for his face looks horrible. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking this this if his face didn't look so much like the the Nazi guy when his face gets melted or Nosferatu or something yeah Nosferatu yeah otherwise that's an awesome pain. yeah yeah it would be amazing but the face is too <laughs> back up a little bit Iron uh-huh. Fist has a mullet look at the very last page oh yeah yeah well no and earlier when he rescues Misty it's hanging out the back did you too. see that too oh, okay yeah. that's the first time I noticed it he's got a little bit of a mullet which Classic. I meant to look alright so let's go back to where he looks like Robert Redford he does not have a mullet there or at least you cannot see it at all yeah but his hair is pretty shaggy it's not no you can see in the back where it's cut Robert Redford style yeah kind of like a Ken doll I guess maybe the hair is part of the mask it's like a little wig <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, I hope so. Oh, Can we get crazy. a rematch between Sabretooth and Iron Fist? I think the Sabretooth bites him. He didn't bite him last time, did he? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I like that too, where he's ripping the shirt off him. Yeah. A little homoerotic, but... <laughs> Alright, so I actually love this panel again, and the sequence of events again, where Luke tries to copy Iron Fist sneaking around <laughs> with his nin whatchamacallit. Yeah. His, which Luke can't remember ninjutsu. Yeah, for some reason. Um, anyway, he, he tries to do all the sneaking around, but Constrictor just breaks everything. So we see him behind a statue, and Constrictor breaks it. He, <laughs> he actually holds a painting in front of him, and Constrictor punches through the painting. Then he goes and tries to crouch behind an antique vase. That's way smaller than him. <laughs> yes. This is so cartoony. Yeah. That is great. But Constrictor breaks the vase. Constrictor tears it up. And then he hits a pipe in the wall and gets Luke all wet. So this strategy by Iron Fist is stupid. Yes. He says, oh, I just played possum. But we clearly see, I don't know, maybe Sabretooth. Maybe he just nicks him. Yeah, but then his clothes wouldn't rip that bad. Yeah. And, and as much damage as it did. Because Iron Fist isn't wearing baggy clothes. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is all skin tight stuff. Yeah, and as much damage as the scratch did in the the first time around, where he was really hurt by that. Right. That seems like a pretty risky move. Yeah, it definitely is. I will say, I'm a fan of the way because you see this a lot nowadays. I don't know how common it was back then. I'm not really sure, but the Iron Fist eyes on his mask kind of changed to match emotions. Yeah, I like that. It's super unrealistic. I love that in comic books. Yeah, I agree. Like with Batman or Spider-Man or whoever. Yeah, um, that's cool, too. I really like this panel of him done clenching his fist in the dark. I thought that was a really cool panel. Yeah, that was a cool panel. I don't know why Pyraman doesn't use his iron, iron fist? fist when yeah. he clenches Sabretooth. I don't either. It seems like, because he gets this big kick in a Sabretooth's face, and yeah. then what looks like a one one single small punch. Right, knocks him out cold. out cold. I don't, I don't like that. It seems like the point of the playing possum should be so that he could charge his fist. You and would use think it, so. Use it against Wolverine. You would think so. I mean, uh, Sabretooth, because that would have been perfect. He's playing possum. Foot kick to the face. Then power fist comes. Boom! That's where you get a real knockout of Sabretooth. Yep. Then he's out for the count. Said we get this wimpy little punch. Yeah, I don't really like that. But again, just like the first appearance, I kind of want to say we have to win. And not a ninja punch either. It's like a boxer yeah. roundhouse. Yeah. No, he's, Haymaker punch. Not even like he's face. doing a real martial arts punch. Right. Then we get where Luke Cage gets somehow. So I guess he is being electrocuted. And I he still so. grabs the coils. Because it shows him kind of getting electrocuted. Yeah, and he's struggling. And somehow he's able to grab him and throw him into the water. Well, I mean, he's a Luke Cage. He is Luke Cage. No. Yeah. And then, uh, so they're walking. All right. Iron Fist, maybe, maybe they don't know Constrictor, but he, he was pretty formidable. Yeah. And they know Sabretooth. Are they really just going to call, like, regular cops off the street and just then leave? Yeah. Strange. Yeah. I mean, who are they going to call? I don't know. The Fantastic Four? Avengers? Avengers? X-Men? Anyone at all yeah. that has superpowers. <laughs> yes, it's very ridiculous that they just call the cops to take care of two supervillains. Right, and two very powerful supervillains. Yeah. Yeah. And they go off. Misty, everybody's okay suddenly. Yeah. Although Misty Knight's robot hand is a little scratched. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a little jank. But, Falling um, wings. Eyes are closed for some reason. <laughs> well, she's feeling around in her pouch. It's weird because it's like they nope. did a panel of like when you take a photo of someone and their eyes are closed accidentally. Right. That's what that looks like. 
But he drew it, so it's like, why did you close her eyes? Right. Anyway, we get the bad jokes at the end where Misty says, Night's still young. Why don't we go somewhere for pizza? Niaphus says, Not till you girls see a doctor. And Luke says, And an electrician. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. so that's that. Classic. All right, I got one last thing in there. All right. That we totally got? skipped over. Oh, okay. So I'm all for skipping. Back up a little bit to the scene with the Coke machine. Oh, wow. That's a girlfriend. Bad. I know. Okay. I just completely forgot this. So she tackles Power Man. And Power Man, when he gets mad at the uh, the cameraman. and um, He says, hey, brother, what's your act? And he says, we can finish moving in later, DW. Right now I'm going to buy my lady some lunch. Right? Yeah. So I say, okay. And he says, hey, Danny, how are you going to spend the rest of the afternoon? And he says, I'd like to spend it the same way Luke is. But there's only one woman who really interests me, which Luke's just said, I'm going to go have lunch, basically. Yeah. And then Iron Fist turns it into, I'm super horny, <laughs> but there's only one woman around <laughs> who I want to go take and have a nooner with. Right. So you get this lunch date suddenly turns into... Well, I mean, have you seen Luke Cage? I mean... He I'm, walks around like a porn star. This is the assumption of what's <laughs> going to happen, right? And then it's funny that Iron Fist is like, well, I'd right. like to do that. Yeah, the TR. I like one lady. I like one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, good for him for staying true to one lady. But yeah, still, yeah. it's a. I thought that was a really funny, yeah, funny moment. He, he just wanted to find Misty and go iron fister. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so um, we both agreed the art was pretty good overall. Um yeah. I think the art has moments. Looking after we got all the way through it, there are multiple times where I, I don't like what they do. Right. But there's a lot of time. There, there are like s- several really good panels. Yes. But then a couple of good panels that are ruined, like right. the saber tooth on top of the statue with the crazy face. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's overall it's good. Yeah. I would say good, not great. Good, not great. And um, maybe part of that's just because me is me wanting Sabretooth to look cooler. I thought overall he looked pretty cool. Overall he does. Uh, his face was really ugly almost the whole time. But the face is really strange, really too monsterish. Yeah, yeah. And he looks he looks very much like the the first movie Sabretooth, where he's like the just fluffy everywhere, just like fur, super fur outfit. I guess I just want him to be more, a little bit more human and less animal. Okay. I don't know. Isn't the point of him, though, is being him and Wolverine the same, but he's the animal and Wolverine's trying not to be? Yeah, but they're both human and that the, it's the struggle. Whereas it's like Sabretooth is the, like the serial killer. He's the right. human who's given in to his animal instincts. Right, right, right. Whereas Wolverine is the human who's fighting those animal instincts, whereas this just kind of makes an animal, Sabretooth. Like, he's right. kind of a wild man who's... Which, that's kind of what he was at the beginning. I didn't... Okay, so... Well, let's talk about Sabretooth. His second appearance here. We talked about in, in his first appearance how there were, there were parts of Sabretooth that we missed, like him being really intelligent, him kind of being in charge. Yeah. We've kind of already lost both of those things. Yeah. Which I was kind of disappointed in. Yeah. I thought overall, like, his fighting was really cool. I thought he looked, for the most part, kind of cool. Yeah. But here he is. He's not leading anything. He's just no. guarding a warehouse. He's kind of sitting around being a guard. But it seems pretty unimportant. Yeah, it does. 
and for also, as powerful as he is. And also, the Sabretooth in the first issue seemed pretty intelligent. I don't think he would have been so stupid about not, like, oh, Misty must have got away in the fracas. Right. You know, and like, then the, the, like he would have noticed her going into the safe. Right, and the playing possum thing, you know. And then he would have, not only would have noticed her, he'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I got a girl in there that's going to suffocate. It's my kind of party. <laughs> like, he would have relished in it, yeah. right? Like, like, her slow, agonizing death. Yeah. And, you know, be, like, like I just said, being tricked by the Iron Fist playing possum. It's like he would have finished him. Right. You know, he wouldn't have just dropped him and then stood over him and said, hey, yeah. look at this guy laying on the ground. Yeah, I agree with you. And that, again, that kind of goes back to what I was just saying about him being kind of more animal in this, where it's like he's not really thinking, he's just fighting. But the fighting was pretty sweet. The fighting is pretty sweet. And we do still have him as a powerful character, although not as, I I don't think, as powerful as the first one. No. His first appearance. Because his first appearance, they Uh, have a really hard time defeating him. Yes. This one, he's not nearly as tough. Right. Or at least you don't get the feeling, especially with the limpy punch that takes him down in the end. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. But, I mean, it's Power Man and Iron Fist, which yeah. is not a great comic. Well, yeah, we say that, but all that said, I liked this issue quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was a good, it was a good issue. Um, it had the right, I don't, I have not read much of the series, to be honest. Yeah. Because I'm not a huge fan of the characters, especially of the early 80s version of these characters. Yeah. I actually like modern day Luke Cage quite a bit. And yeah. still don't really care that much about Iron Fist. Well, even in the 90s, when they when they tried to do that Luke Cage comic. Remember when they had... Oh, yeah. That was that okay. Was good. It wasn't yeah, fantastic, was right. but it was good. Luke Cage is an interesting character. Iron Fist, I think maybe he's too mystical for me. Yeah, probably. Because it's not just that he's a ninja. It's that he's a ninja with some specifically mystical powers right. that somehow relate to only this punch that he doesn't seem to use all that often. <laughs> no. That's yeah. one other thing I don't get about Iron Fist is it's like the, the well, real power that he takes a lot has. out of him. Which they didn't mention this time so maybe that could have been a good byline to explain why he didn't use it on Saber because he already used it on the safe. But that was a while back in the fight. I mean, I guess yeah. can he use it once a day? Is that... You got like a three-hour heal or right. re- yeah, I reboot. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've never cared that much for Iron Fist, but they're the, they're the kind of, they're those characters. And I don't know if other people are like this, but they're those characters that I don't like. But when I read them, I, I kind of do like them. Yeah, like it's just something about that. Well, I was gonna say, I guess, kind of the whole point of bringing that up, and I felt like this issue in particular, having not read many others. Like, was a perfect, this little time capsule of what I think this book should be. Yeah. Like, it was a very good version of it. It was the right amount of, like, fighting. Uh, again, we, we, got, we got pretty lucky this episode. A lot of the cheesy elements played really well. And yeah. were actually funny. Yeah. And this book was the same. I mean, the stuff that was really cartoony was cheesy. But I, I literally laughed out loud when I read it. Yeah, it worked. It, it did. Was, it, was... it played really well. And, yeah. I thought this this was the the kind of book these two characters should have been in at this time period. And I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Other than just being a cool villain, we didn't really get a whole lot on Sabretooth as far as progression. But, I mean, I don't know what they really had planned for him at this point. I mean, it is a second appearance. And he was yeah. 
gone for three years, so I wouldn't well, es- I wouldn't expect a whole lot of backstory or development yeah. at this point. Well, in this, yeah, at this time, there's nothing really to him. He's just a bad guy right. who is powerful, and that's kind of the extent of what he's there for. Is this? Is he in the next couple comics of this? No. No, he'll show back up again in about another year. Uh, so he's and- not connected to this Jade. In no, whatever this arc is, I don't is, know. I guess. Not in this arc. That's what I was wondering if he his, comes his back next appearance will be Power Man and Iron Fist seventy eight. Okay. So uh, about a full year. Yeah. So it's, it's just random to me. I mean, he's just a random character. There's like, oh, we yeah. need we need a tough bad guy to fight. So let's pick Sabretooth. Right. So there's no real. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no real reason for it to be Sabretooth. No, but I mean you can say that in a lot of comics. Right, but, I mean, but bad it, guys are just there to be bad guys. Right, but in those cases, I guess what I mean, but in those cases, you don't get much development of the character, right? Because this is just we need a bad guy. Let's use Sabretooth because <laughs> we haven't used him in a long time, so right. he's tough. So it's not like when you get later things where there'll be a reason it needs to be Sabretooth, right? When we get into when Sabretooth and Wolverine become nemesis, right? Nemesis, nemesis, nemesis. So that it's like it needs to be. The, the story is that this is Sabretooth, is that there's this right. backstory. There's, yeah. there's more, much more to this. So I think until until we get to that, there won't be much to Sabretooth other than him just being a really strong bad guy. Maybe the third one they'll know. do we'll more with his strength or, I mean, with his, uh, his intelligence, his darkness. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right, so Power Man and Iron Fist 66. What are you going to grade it? Probably a four. A four? Okay. That's a little low, but I think I'll stick with that. Just because with I mean Sabretooth, again, we don't get much out of it other than him fighting. Right. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your socks off a little bit. No, I really enjoyed this book for what it was. I had a lot of fun rereading it again. I used to love this book back when I was a kid. So there made me a little bit of nostalgia in this grade, but um I'm gonna give it six out of six claws. What? Yeah. I just I really had fun with it. it. No, I'm, I I don't I don't begrudge you. Cool. We're a little long in the tooth, a little long in the saber tooth tonight. Hey-o. So uh, let's go ahead and cut this off and get to our uh, our normal uh, plug and stuff and get out of here. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode, our latest flashback episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. A lot of big stuff, these three issues we covered. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Cameron, why don't you uh, plug your normal stuff? My normal things, historybanter.com. My podcast, History Banter Podcast. If you like history and or movies, check it out. We do some fun stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, reviewing history movies. It's, you know, mostly just me and another guy being kooky about it. But yeah. it's a good time. I have a recommendation. I did this Let's on I did this on accident, but you should do it on purpose. Okay. If you're going to listen to the latest episode, which I don't know if it'll still be latest when this hits or not, but it probably, probably will be. Anyway, it's on the, the latest Lone Ranger movie. Listen to the intro at time and a half speed. <laughs> and it sounds like the old radio show. That's funny. The Lone Ranger show, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but, um, my plugs. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's your Twitter? Oh, Twitter, at Cameron Sinclair or at History Banter, but either one. Awesome. Okay. Well, same usual stuff here. Leave an iTunes review, like the Facebook page, go to the website, that's snickcast.podbean.com. Email your adoration to uh, snickcast at <laughs> yahoo.com. Follow on Twitter at snickcast. I don't know exactly what will be next. Probably just February stuff. The next flashback will be a big deal. That'll be um, Days of Future Past. Dun, 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 so dun. One of the big epitome. What's the word I'm looking for? 
landmark stories landmark of the Claremont Burn Run. So uh, you'll definitely want to check that out uh, sometime in March, probably. Anyway, uh, until next time, take care of yourselves. Hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.